more now than we have all the rest of the time. Let's see, it's just content. Or do we start the episode? I've pressed record, but we haven't okay. really started anything yet. Okay. You were you were gone. Yeah, um, the dog was acting weird, so I can throw some food at her and she'll be fine. Dog was dogging. Dog was dogging, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the best bases. Those bases are freaking awesome. Yeah, his bases do kick ass. All right, do you want to start? Do you want to start a podcast? Sure, if we have to. All right, <laughs> if we have to. We got all <laughs> dressed up. Going to I, pack a fight. What? You're wearing pants? <laughs> I'm not wearing pants. Yeah, I'm down in the basement. It's 65 degrees down here. Hey, oh, so, so, sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna tangent before we start. Situation normal. All, all fouled up. This is Snafu. <laughs> all right, welcome to episode 73, where Thanks. Jeff talks about cub foods. Something like that. That, was, that <laughs> wasn't in the episode. No, that probably should be in the episode. Put it at the end if you want. I didn't... <laughs> ah, no, uh, one listen, no one listens that far. <laughs> yeah, who's listened to the end of one of these things? People fall asleep listening to us, obviously. <laughs> I, I, I do like the fact that as checking the downloads for episode 72, part 1 and 2, and like part 2 has got like twice the downloads of part 1. <laughs> Interesting. Mm, caught people That's at a good scary. time or something. Hey, hey, I have a suggestion, Pat. One of these episodes, at the end of it, you should just put some audio from World Series of Poker, so like... Nostalgia for people that fell asleep in the you know early two thousands. You wake up on ESPN, still got like World Series of Poker at like four a.m. Oh, that was God. me, dude. That was I me. Totally did that. I did that all the time. <laughs> I would watch. What was it? I would Cheers. It was Cheers? I'd fall asleep during Cheers. I don't remember what happens after that. Tonight Show usually. Is it Tonight Show? Yeah, it was yeah. usually Tonight Show. Yeah. Right. I think it's right. Yeah. And then instant I remember, tangent. It? Look at that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We haven't even started yet. I'll just restart this. We're shit. Amazing. Oh no, we started. Oh, oh okay, all right. Okay. all right. Well, welcome to welcome to episode seventy three, Tangent Town. Uh, let's talk about hobby. Is that like Actually, Lazy Town? Well, well, Lazy Town. We've we, we've been Lazy Town for a while now. We've been right. We have. We kind of sent that check in all day long. Have you ever <laughs> painted an entire bolt action army in a week? Would you like to? <laughs> Tournament organizers hate it when you do this one thing. Wow, we can do all sorts of clickbaity shit. All right. <laughs> Everyone say hi. This Dale's, list won Dale. four tournaments. Yeah, yeah, it's a now a net list. See what uh, Dale did for hobby this week. Number four will surprise you. <laughs> and then you never find number four. Never, no, it's not in three. there. That's just, there's <laughs> no number or, or crashes. We just stop the podcast right then <laughs> and there. All right. Uh, say hi, Dale. Hey, guys. Say hi, Pat. Hey. Say hello, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, okay. So literal. It's great. I love it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some hobby stuff. Because uh, I've done a little. I've done a little. Nice. I kind of got a little bit of a slow start this week. Uh, I'm putting together some terrain for a table. Nice. Uh, the the slow part was that uh, somebody used all the white glue in our house. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, somebody must have ate it all. I have no idea what happened to it. Well, but we didn't got, have any. You got, like, you I got was four like, of them, so. Yeah. Five. I'm really kind of curious what happens if they eat it. I actually Ooh. don't really want to know. 
probably don't want to know. Well, it's, it's supposed to be non-toxic. It's like the Elmer's white glue. Yeah, but if you eat enough yeah, of anything, it becomes toxic. Just well, to, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't know. recommend it as pouring it on your frosted flakes. Well, do you keep yeah. toxic levels of Elmer's glue in your household, Rick? That's a good question. I don't know what a toxic level of Elmer's glue is. <laughs> no, so I maybe I don't think you do. Probably not. Uh, no, I I don't think they actually ate it. I don't and I'm pretty sure if, if they were having issues related to that, you would have stumbled upon one of your children in a, a pretty interesting. You had a Spider-Man impression in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what happened in this diaper? Oh, yeah, like, yeah they're they're, they're shooting out their ass and swinging on the walls and stuff. <laughs> and so. They do that anyway. That's not, that's not abnormal <laughs> for my children. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I started with, I did some, did, that's what I did this week, and I'm working on garden stuff right now because it's that time of year. It is that time of year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about uh, how about you, Dale? What are you working on? Anything special? Um, I've got a couple of tanks, five actually, sitting on my in my <laughs> queue. <That's right. laughs> They're next in the queue. Um, I finished up my captains um, for my board game, and I'm halfway through the first faction that I want to finish painting, so... Um, I'm hoping to finish it this weekend, which means I'll probably bump the tanks up, at least the two that I need for the event coming up. Um, yeah, we'll talk I'll about get those event. done. So, but that means I have to go down into my hobby basement and find my German tank paints, and hopefully they're still able to get through my airbrush. But we'll see what happens. Well, someone on our on our Discord talked about the saws the saws all or the jigsaw with a clamp in it yeah i've got um i've got a little um test tube centrifuge yeah i've got one of those that i use for my my paints i can't remember what they call them yes it's just just, yeah you push down on it and it vibrates it spins it around real tight right is that the one you got yeah when i'm really bored i'll sit on it but I haven't had to do that in a long time. <laughs> I don't know if yours. If mine is finicky. Mine is really finicky about like what I can like how I put the bottles onto it. Like sometimes it doesn't want to spill. Oh, I thought you're going a hard, a hard left on that one. No, I was I was ignoring. I was just going right past what it's Dale called said. a mini vortex mixer. Yeah, it's a vortex mixer. That's yeah, what it's it is. like yeah. seventy five bucks or something like that. So yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. I used to say I found them even cheaper. Yeah, I think Amazon I got mine on sale or something for like forty five. Like Prime Days are coming up. It might be in Prime Days if yeah. you want a vortex. That I might I might actually look at that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sick of having to shake the shake. shake. Well, so so this other technique, and I've seen people do this is uh, so you take the blade out of a jigsaw, and you you know I'm, you know what kind of clamps I'm talking about. It's like it's got a long bar on it, and then it has like a sliding clamp, like a furniture clamp. Maybe, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty common clamp. Yep, yeah, but it has yeah, a long, have, like skinny bar. Yep. So you stick that in the in the where the blade goes, and then yep. you tighten it all up, and then you clamp on. You just clamp a bottle of paint inside the clamp, <laughs> and then you solution. just yeah, and then and then you just give it a good uh, give it a good uh, pull on the trigger, and it shakes the living crap out of your paints. Well, yeah, I mean, right? I mean, the, like the idea is great. Saw, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I very apprehensively tell people to not probably play with power tools that way, but um, uh, check you the manufacturer's you. intent. Y- yeah, that's that's avoid your warranty for sure. Yeah. But uh, just the reason launch. they have to put warning labels on things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna launch a freaking paint bottle across your room at one point, and then that's that's on you, man. Like that's. I've I've exploded shit all over myself so, once. That's fine. So do you actually have to have your buddy there so you can say, "Here, hold my beer" before you try that? No, <laughs> start recording. Okay. 
Yeah, that's what it is now. Here, push record on this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My TikTok. Did you get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing you ask first. It's not, are you okay, or do no, I need to call yeah, the, an ambulance? Well, it's yeah, like, the cameraman's always, I got it. it. <laughs> uh, but so no, you were working uh, on uh, Dale. Okay, you were working on stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. It, but no, that's that's um that's where my stuff is at. So good luck finding those paints. Uh, if it's anything like my hobby shit, it's a disaster. So it's yeah. I think I think I'm actually in a decent state downstairs. It's just that's that good. I've got so much hobby stuff there. I yeah. just have to figure out which bin is for this stuff. Dude, I'm I'm serious. I'm I'm debating trying to put together a get rid of uh, hobby garage sale. Get rid of all sorts of crap that I don't need. Yeah, sure. Like whatever you want to call it. They just had market. one. They just had one in Little Canada. I saw it in the in the Frozen North group. So why didn't you say anything? Because I, I just saw it like oh, when we were fine. tangenting earlier. So <laughs> when you're looking at Steam games, like, <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out what your next game is. <laughs> all right. Uh, so anything else? No. No. That's, okay. All right. So that was a good lo- like long tangent there. Well, so Pat, what are you working on these days? <laughs> um. Uh, so I, I did take out the, my Americans again, and and then some, the old wounds crept back in, and I, I, I set them back down. I was going to finish them up that were originally slated for the WTC before things. Uh, I'm like, you know what? Let's let's stop with the miniatures and let's just let's do some terrain. I, I got the board that I'm working on for Operation Snafu, which is the the great escape board. Um, I had ordered and put together for the buildings and the fences and some of the towers and I kind of mocked laid everything out on the table and then realized the other buildings I needed to order so I ordered another $200 worth of Sarissa crap I mean sorry it's not crap it's good but this board's already at like 400 bucks and it's not I mean, even put together yet so they do they do a lot with that crap it's still crap. If it's a fucking MDF board it's yeah. it, but they do a lot with what they got after yeah. your third fourth fifth board Everything that keeps coming for the next ones turns it doesn't turn into crap. It's just it's just more crap. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying the Fair. quality of it is crap. I'm just no. saying it's just, just more crap that I have. More shit on your shelf. Somewhere. Clutter. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, clutter. Yeah, it's just yeah. more stuff. Right. To we've paint. all got boxes of miniatures. They're not crap, but it's just more crap that's sitting there. But but I yes. literally label it all crap. Like, yes, it's hobby crap. Okay, great. So I got yeah. some more crap, and now I should have <laughs> enough crap to get this board mostly done until I then I'll have to do some some woods and stuff like that just to help flush it out and get some roads in there. Um, just, yeah, just make sure you don't amber herd the table. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, it's all that crap. It. Right, sure. It was the cat, dude. So, yeah. Dog, the, dog. It was a dog. Sorry. Oh. I'm excited to see the table. I am too. It's uh, and I did actually. So I, I think I mentioned last time that I got this their uh, barbed wire fence kits, which they have. Sure. Uh, you can download a PDF, which will print out on like overhead projector sheets. Oh yeah, you were talking about that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so when I did order it this time, I made sure I got those in there, and I was able to download them, which is nice. It had some trouble when I was did trying you, to download them. Have you free. found projector sheet you have papers? Do yeah. you have an overhead projector? <laughs> no. No, but Amazon still sells the sheets because other people in the world still use overhead projectors for things. Jesus Christ. I said a vision of like Indiana Jones and some old temple grabbing an <laughs> overhead projector instead of that little gold statue. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> so do you. Uh, yeah, so I printed them out and I, 
sure, I, I, yeah, it, it, I think it'll work. I'll give it a try. I did right. a couple tests, glued them in place, and then went, wait, I should probably paint these before I glue these in place. Yep. Okay, so. But fortunately, it was a, a piece that I didn't need to use for the table, so. And proof of concept, and now uh, I got most of those put together. I think I still have two, uh, two guard towers to put together and paint, so. It's getting close. I figure maybe right end of July-ish, depending on how motivated I stay. Nice. So. That's plenty of time. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Jeff, how about you? <laughs> what are you working on these days? <clears throat> um, so I don't remember on the last last hobby update if I already had that Hurtgen Forest Kickstarter yet or not. Um, I, think I think you'd backed you it, but I don't think... Yeah, I think, you, I think you had it yet. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I don't think it. you'd gotten any of this Okay, yet. so the first the first phase of that came out, um, yes. which is all the stuff that was initially like proposed in the Kickstarter, none of the stretch goals or whatever, and that's perfectly fine because you, know, you want them to take their time. So anyway, that came out, and I fired up the 3D printer, and I printed 60 infantry out of that. Jeez. Uh, oh, and that's then right, I that's right. painted 30 of them. Nice. So I got Damn. a new... <laughs> a new American army done. Uh, printed a couple tanks for some other guy for some of the guys in the club. Printed myself a chaffee. Uh, did a resin turret on it because I wanted to see if I could, and it worked out really well. Nice. And uh, chaffee is such a good tank. It is. It really is. Um, went through and hunted through the the Dewey Cat selection on Wargaming 3D and printed a few of the artillery pieces he designed. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a few of them actually. <laughs> Nice. So I got those painted up. So uh, another truck for the army too. So a lot of painting and printing of armies. And then um, looked at a calendar and started having a panic attack about getting another the two tables I have to get done for Snafu. So 146 most, days as we record. Yeah. Well, one of them's all printed. I just got to paint it. The other one I need to print, and it's about 30 days of print time. So. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I mean, it's a lot of buildings, and you know, is that is are you doing the resin printer on those, or is that the buildings are still the MDM? That's going to be FDM printing for the FDM. buildings. There you go. Um, right letters, wrong position. Yeah, I knew what you meant. Um, <laughs> just because some of the smaller stuff, I think I might try to do on the resin printer just to speed things up. Having okay. two printers running is much faster than one printer. I one would argue almost twice as fast. Almost twice as fast. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, even with the uh, even with the Saturn some things are too big to fit fit in the resin printer so you know you kind of just have to see what goes and what doesn't but yeah are you you still able to are you still uh, slicing the files to to different sizes and whatnot or are you just taking whatever files are uh it depends on what the file is um you know a a lot of the stuff i back since is in 20 millimeter 156 scale which is nice so i don't really have to resize anything um, the infantry out of that uh, Hurricane Forest Kickstarter, you know, one guy started, it was supposed to be 156. When people started printing it, they're like, this looks a little bit big. And so then they're like, well, maybe scale it down to 95%. And I was like, well, I already printed 60 guys, so fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got the taller guys in the platoon. You know, it's close enough. If you don't mix and match, you won't notice the difference. It's sort of like playing yeah. with Perry miniatures where they're just yep. a little thinner. Right. As long as you don't mix and match, no problem. So... And they look really nice, so I'm I'm pretty happy with them, as far as 3D printing. So yeah, so a shitload of hobby printing and painting. And God, I gotta get my printer going, but I just can't find anything. I, I did I did run my printer a month uh, month in the last month, but nothing for 
bolt action. I decided to finally catch up some of the old uh, game pieces I had promised and some yeah. components to upgrade. So. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, I've been printing mostly. I've been printing knickknacks for my nephews and nieces on it, and a phone holder for the car for my wife and odds and ends like that. So I need to get <laughs> it back, and a couple tanks for the guys. But I have eight spools of filament here ready to go for this next project. So. Wow. Well. You don't want to like run out and then not be able to get your filament. <laughs> um, I would agree with that. So best to be prepared ahead of time. Which reminds me, I should probably order at least another spool just in case I get crazy and find something I need to print. Well, I mean, if you if you're ever looking for things to print, I can send you a few of those files to print that I have. But I could print some stuff off for you. I'm yeah. just sitting there doing nothing anyway. I might look into doing that just to speed things up here a little bit. But o- outsource it to Maple Grove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprised you don't have like six more printers already, Jeff. If you can get those printers print that print printers, right? you know, just... <laughs> if I were going to do it as a job or even a side business, I would absolutely get a couple more and print farm stuff. But um, when you're just mm. soloing it for hobby stuff, at a certain point, I mean, yeah. I've got you guys got tubs of unpainted miniatures. I got tubs of unpainted shit I printed on that printer. You know, mm, and yeah. like some of it, some of it I toss because it's like if this print didn't come out right, you're like, okay, this is junk now, and it's like you feel bad wasting anything, but some Meh. stuff just some stuff like, is crap. you know, that's that's forty cents, sure. Yeah, don't worry, it's, it just ends up in an ocean somewhere. That's that's why I hate yeah, no big I hate deal. adding yeah. garbage. I hate adding garbage like just that. burn it, Jeff. Then it's fine. There we go. Yeah. Well, you know, PLAs they they say is theoretically biodegradable, although I. Uh, I don't really think it is. Jesus, what's the time frame on that? I don't know. Something between uh, a banana and plutonium. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> you look at a banana rocket and check the half rates. I mean, sure, if you give anything enough time, it's going to biodegrade, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think I think they're waiting for some plastic-eating microbe to be developed before that really I mean, they're, we're not that far away, but I'm worried what happens if that gets out in the wild. Well, That's what scares plastic. the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, it eats all the plastic. <laughs> all That's the, the problem. Plastic. Right? We don't have any plastic left. Car cars are just falling apart. You know it's going to be something like that that wrecks civilization. Obviously. Yeah, for sure. That's why I'm building everything out of wood and brick, and I'm, a, I'm a, one of the three little piggies. You know, the, the, my biggest concern um, outside of actual real crises that we're experiencing is that Google engineer who who spoke out and said that that one of the their, sentient one AI of their algorithms have become yeah. sentient. I'm just yeah. like you, absolute moron. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Did you? Did you read? Did you read the? Well, no, because um, I, I do. I do software and coding and all the rest of that shit. And right. I've sat and thought quite a bit about that whole quote unquote problem. And it's just like no. <laughs> it, it actually it actually gets scarier when you read this transcript, though. Well, like, I mean, it's like. I would like it's, to stay in a good mood if we could. If we could. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the, like, the positive, the, cheerful, upbeat stuff. Let's talk the, about WTC again. It's, it's, oh, it's not connected to the defense grid, so we'll be fine. No, right? yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not playing war games or anything it's yet. Skynet, yeah, nuclear war. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's not uh, doing. I mean, all of yet. that. It's it's all. It's all instructions. That's all it is. So I, I would presume that it is probably all instructions. It's getting it's kind of scary. It's hundred percent all instructions. So okay. they, there's there's no way um, that code can generate other code that it isn't explicitly instructed to do so. So, anyways, uh, okay. But, All right. Well, we'll yeah. we'll know when a Terminator comes back. We can have another so. podcast about crazy tech shit. Yeah. 
That'd I be just, fun. I just hope. It and works we could talk shit about stuff West. we don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't understand it well enough, but yeah, yeah, kind of crazy stuff. Isn't there. that like ninety percent of podcasts? Yes, yes, not well, not well researched. Yeah, um, I, I feel like it's um, it's uh, it's one great big um, um, uh, sigh. Everyone lets out a sigh because we all realize that we're all just as as stupid, not stupid, but uninformed as everyone else. Yeah, so, sure, yeah. yeah. It's like and a collective the, the group hug. And there's the other percentage of people that are panicking now because they've just realized that they think Skynet exists. Just no. saying, like, we might do. Don't, don't panic anyone. Just find your towel and you'll be fine. I was just going to say. <laughs> I always need to know where your towel is. Yeah. That's good. a really good Our, reference. <laughs> I get some nerd cred event a little bit. We don't have enough of we gotta We got to start working in more of that. Okay, well, I, I got one tonight. I got I got the scoreboard for the first one. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, we, we've done hobby. We all actually did some stuff. This is well done, guys. Yeah. yeah hey. um, I'm a little bit frightened of Dale's all sorts of tanky thing, but we'll. Uh, I'm excited to see what. Rick, let me know if you need some glue. I got glue. I went to the store and got glue. Okay. Guys, I'm, guys I'm, I've got all the glue I could possibly need. Now, did you buy like a little? Did you like to buy a little pack? Hey, my kid's going back to elementary school size. Or did you buy like the giant gallon? Um, you, you know, clothes? I like using the smaller ones because I got small hands, so it's you know, just kind of nice to not have the giant bottle and like. The the risk of what happens if that little bottle gets out into the wild versus a giant <laughs> bottle of glue is like yeah I'll take yeah. my chances I buy three little ones and hide two of them, you know versus uh versus having the giant bottle of you know the the gallon size yep. bottle of glue end up on the floor or some shit like that because that's <laughs> that, what happened. I, I went to inevitable. I went to get some more of the uh, the Loctite gel which I usually use for my plastic miniatures. Yeah, and whatnot. Uh, that doubled in price all of a sudden. Yep. Yeah, just it was like them. ten bucks a bottle. I'm like, are you kidding me? This where is did, like just like four bucks. Where did you go? Uh, Michael's, which is usually where, where I, I buy it, where it's yeah. usually dirt cheap. I'm hoping it's it. just on the wrong peg. You might be able to get a little better from Home Depot. So. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, Home that's, Depot. My, that's my second go-to. My, my go-to was Target, actually, and it was, yeah, I don't know. I haven't bought a bottle for a little bit because I usually buy two or three at a time. Yeah. Um, well, it was all sold out at my local Target, but I invested yeah. heavily about a eight months ago and bought like six packs of it so, yeah. yeah and and i found that as long as you don't crack them like you don't it's fine it's, yep it's yeah. fine it lasts forever once but you crack them you, they're yeah. good for like what do you think like a month maybe month, maybe yeah. oh yeah if you're lucky. anything longer yeah. and it's a like goo depends and it how much you use and, and how many times you want yeah. to cut the tip back yep. down to yep. get the glue out it's a yeah. brisk if if you're cracking a new one you want to make sure that you've got a couple of boxes of miniatures put together yep yeah yeah you want to you want to yeah you want to do it all or just expect to have to get a new one in a I also finally started taking them apart if you not know that if you take them apart when you're done because there's like still 15 to 20 percent of the glue left in the bottle I didn't know that yeah so if you take the plastic piece off there's a shit ton of glue still in there it well, feels very wasteful for me that's a recipe for real issues <laughs> well, so Tails gonna come on Thursday he's just got three parts of the bottle glued to his hand maybe put the part of it's on my face <laughs> <laughs> The craggle. <laughs> Here we go. Amazon's got a six pack for seventeen bucks. That is that's good. Steel. Yeah. That's go. good. That's that's significantly better than whatever Michaels is trying to do right now. Yes. I also like uh, also for the uh, metal models. I get those. I like using the uh, the professional liquid. Oh, like interesting. You, I like using those for the metal models. I use the living shit out of the gel, and I just use a shit ton of accelerator. It's great. I, I just, just say that. I use, gel just hasn't worked well. I use a little bit of sticky tack. 
and okay. and then yes. whatever adhesive. Yep. So for my that sticky tech works medicine. good because it holds it good, and then like it when it mixes with the whatever adhesive you're using, it makes a really good hard bond. Yeah, I love just weld bond. that. Sh- love I just weld that shit together with <laughs> with the accelerator. <laughs> <laughs> just like, so it just makes that shit super hot. It's great. It's fun. All right. Uh, this one, this one caught me for a loop. I don't know if you guys, are, if we've gotten an official answer on it yet, but we had a rules question come up on Discord that I don't think has. I don't know if it has a great answer yet. Discord? Didn't it come from Discord? Facebook, Facebook even. Oh, it was Facebook. You're right. It was yeah, Facebook. It was I'm Facebook. Sorry. And the answers people were giving the fellow ranged all over the damn place. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's the here's the scenario. You have a artillery piece with he on ambush so not indirect fire but is actually going to fire an he shot at a unit mm-hmm. the way ambush rules are written or are read allows you to stop a unit at any time during their movement to shoot at them yep so it's advantageous sometimes to not shoot right away but to shoot during their move because there's no cover or whatever like there's usually an opening you know get a bit yeah, of opportunity or you can get them at point blank or right you know. closer or whatever yes lots of different options as to why you would want to wait to shoot versus that However, with HE, you have a template. And there's no, as far as I know, Pat, do you correct me if I'm wrong, there's no rules in the book that tell you how, to, how these two things interact. No. Like, how do you move a unit? Like, how do you place a template? So it's, it's, it's really, it's however they move the unit, and you, you pause them you stop at whatever them point during their that you want to fire. Yeah. And so however they're moving the unit, and, and honestly what I don't like about this is if it's a friendly game, it's really easy to abstract it. But I understand when you're in high-pressure tournament games that you want to get it exactly right. Like, advantageous it, to you. It is really slows things down if you're like, okay. You basically s- do okay, a stop motion. Yeah. 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 Like a, like, like a claymation thing. Yeah. Yep. Right. Like, move that unit. Move, like, because that's the thing. In, in, and also in a tournament play, the optimal thing is going to be, all right, I'll conga line my shit out. Yep. Like, yes. You yep. know, it's never going to be it's never going to be anything more than one or two models, maybe three models. And if they're doing that, uh, I think they're probably not getting all their models where they want to be in the next stage anyway. You know, if you're looking at getting, uh, you want half your units to be manning an obstacle so they can fire over it without taking the penalty. You know, if they're, if they're doing the conga line, they're probably not going to have the full movement to, to do that. Yep. So, but uh, it... It's yeah. It's you just stop them and they move however they want to. It, it, I really wish there's more of an abstraction to it, just because it is probably the slowest point in a game. Right. So, what would the recommendation be moving forward if they were to? I would consider the unit to move forward in its current footprint. Yeah, it's just like you can place a template. That's the footprint it would be in yeah. during its movement. Yeah. So I mean, you know, like there's the unit. You know, the, they might be total of uh, three inches long, two inches wide might be the cluster of guys, and just consider that their footprint and have them move it. Just for the ease and speed of the game, I think you should just move that and not be a total D-bag about the thing. You know, it's like, okay, if you were there and I hit you, okay, now because I'm an ambush, I get the advantage of the open shot, so we'll take that off. So That's how I would do it. So take the shot, just don't count any cover modifier. And right. Well, as long as there's an opportunity as during the shot that there was no yes. cover, right? right? Like if they're behind cover the whole time, then they get cover. But yep. Or if they uh, are going to end up in point blank, i.e. they're charging you. Right. Then they're all, yeah. 
oddly enough, this is one of the few scenarios that version one probably worked better with the non-template. Like, yeah. Yep. And actually, maybe that's what they just need to do is like, okay, it's D6 hits or whatever. D3 you know, hits or D6, depending on how big your HE is. Right. Yeah, something like that, where it's like you get a certain number of hits total. Yep. Right. That would make that would make it that would super speed it up. So the only thing that was that was bad about version one doing that is they didn't have the each model can only be hit once caveat in there. Well, so you okay. have two man squads getting hit with the three inch HE, which is three D six, getting hit six you know eight twelve times. It's like, well, okay, come on. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I would be okay with them adding that to it, but like. For the sake of speed and like not trying to have to figure out where the templates are, like okay, I'm yeah, shooting that, an ambush like and you're moving. Yeah, just I, I, just a number of d6 hits. Yeah. Good suggestion. Yeah, with that, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll slide that in my tournament pack. You know, if, if you're looking for the the fastest rule since they're moving, you just <clears throat> you just always make it a, a d3 and it's minus one if it's a light and my plus one if it's a medium and plus two if it's a heavy artillery three inch. Does that make sense? So you're always doing either one to five. Does that make sense? Wonderful. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. And you're only rolling one dice. I mean, one size dice ever. I don't know. Or or you put the template down on the table and they have to run around it or run through it. And <laughs> hit. I mean, it's like smoke, but it's a damaged smoke, right? You're like, all right, this is where I'm going to land my HE. Now you either run around it or run through it. It would be an obstruction then. You chose poorly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you would absolutely always be the case. Yeah. It would be not probably enough of an obstruction to make that worthwhile. No. But something with a randomized number, I think, is the way to go. Some yeah. form of that is the way to go for that. Right, because it's not punishing either side, and it's not yep. making anyone feel gamey or anything else. And it's it doesn't like, slow everything the f- way the hell down. Yeah, especially since nobody, the, the, apparently this is not really in the books, so it would be really hard to find. Yep. Yeah, and it's not. people say this is a corner case, but I actually could see this happening quite often, particularly if you're you know, ever playing on WTC-style boards that have lots of open terrain like that. <laughs> you just like, can shoot anywhere. Right. Yeah, or and I mean in in most cases, right? There people are probably it probably is a little more fringe because right people have maybe save their HE shots for vehicles, which where the template doesn't matter then, right? It's not mm-hmm. typically yeah. all big ass models and big ass units, but I could definitely see this being happening more frequently than yeah. Like I'm surprised it's taken taking this long for someone to ask us about this. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. Well, keep in mind it, it also has to be a, a direct fire because you can't right. Do no indirect. Yeah, you can't yeah. ambush indirect. Yeah. yeah, that's that's why I say it's a WTC table thing where there's all that fucking open terrain. <clears throat> yes, there is something like that. Anyway, that's that's enough of that. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Just interesting. Interesting. That one took me for a loop because it was like I looked it up and I was like, oh no, that's not ambush. That's um. Stand and fire. Yeah, reactionary fire. Yeah, yeah reaction yep. fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that that one is you take the shot wherever they are right now. Yep. Cover right. And, yeah. whatnot. And if you have a weapon that's out of range, it's treated as long range for its shots. But yeah, you know. You know, actually, that might be the other solution, Pat. Is just shoot right away. You just shoot right away. But if they're going to cross open ground, they don't get cover. Like you said, the original footprint thing. Right. Sure. Yep. You, yeah, you just place the template right away, yep. and then it's wherever on the line that would have been. Yep. Like it's that's your footprint. So I think either of those could work. Yeah. Anything, anything would be better than nothing. Yeah, anything's better than the current rules, which is uh. basically <laughs> two guys. <laughs> Good luck, figured out. Yeah, or conga line action. Like, really, you're doing that? Come on. Right. Either way is even in a conga line, you yeah. should always hit three guys. I think. I mean, they're not. They're not. Uh, 
the Tuscan Raiders. You're not hiding your numbers with a single file there. You say that, but yeah, but I actually kind of feel like they might. You know, you don't normally run <laughs> like in a mob. You know, if they're crossing open ground. They're going to try and run more single file ish. I would think that's no, probably not really. Depends. All depends. <laughs> you want to get that next set of cover as fast as possible. You know, and wait for the guy in front of you to get hit, so you trip over him. No, you're using the guy in front of you as cover, though, Pat. Well, right? Yeah, he's he's soft cover. See, like it is very important to have soft cover all the well, time. Well, depending on the bullet, he may be hard cover. He may stop all the bullet. Jeez, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't think that how how was it done in reality is as much of a consideration in my opinion. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's you know, fair. After I, I mean, seeing competitive play—not seeing competitive play, but seeing the the prevalence of conga line movement for certain kinds of armies—I totally understand why they do it that way. So, yep, yep, it's all right. It's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. Moving on. All right, Pat. Let's talk about uh, the event that Dale is going to. Yeah. Jeff's going too. Yeah. Jeff is going. I. I'm sorry that I'm not going. I really am sorry that I'm not going. I will be at a Elsewhere cabin. Elsewhere with stuff. Well, I'll be at a cabin with my wife and a, children. A cabin in the woods? Yes, I was. I was The uh, the captain of my house told me that I will be going to this thing. She snapped, snapped she to. Snapped, and, snapped her <laughs> action. And <laughs> it was like, yes, yes, sir. We are, we are going to go to a cabin and enjoy ourselves and stuff. You will have fun. Now, mandatory <laughs> fun. The, the mandatory part isn't hard. It's fun when you get up there. I was like, yeah. okay, well, it kind of sucks that was that weekend, but okay, if we have to, we'll go. So, well, I'm sure you'll have a great time. Well, in I addition to so Rick's spot being open, there are still a few other spots that are open for this. There you so. go. See, <laughs> if you're local, it is July 23rd. If you're not local, it's right. still July 23rd. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no like time difference like unless I, you're from I've Europe or something. I've got people from uh Fargo that are coming over again, so. Nice. Awesome. Nice. I saw Ryan and Jeff were signed up. Thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah. Makes fun. me it's... excited that people are going to drive 3 hours just to play a, a game that I'm putting together. That's kind of cool. It's cool. Mhm. So, Very cool. Um so this is this is a quote unquote teams event or a doubles event, however you want to call it. it was Doubles, I guess, the better it way. Double, yeah, double team doubles. event? Ah. Double team event. So, and the reason being that uh, Renegade, this is their this is their doubles event as well. So just we're, we're sharing the same place with them, you know, so sure, we can do that. It sounds like fun. Through a little poll, informal poll out there, and it sounded like people were interested in doing this. So how we're doing it, though, is going to be uh, random partners for the first round, and then uh, people are going to shift random... Uh, actually very specific directions and a very specific number of tables to ensure that there'll be no doubling up of opponents or partners for the second game and you will not be on the same table for the second game. I like it. You have this all like a beautiful mind out somewhere, right? Like it's, you've already got it all engineered. Hell yeah. no, he's got it in a yeah. notebook someplace. He'll, he'll be fine. <laughs> it's on, sure. it's on, yeah. oh, it's on an Excel file, so. Nice. Okay. But you have it all like, okay, here, yeah, this people yep, go I have here, it mapped so, out and yeah, like, okay. okay, and this is what we do if there are 12 players, what we do if there are 16 players, what we do if there are 32 players, so. Dear Lord. Okay. Fabulous. Still only yeah, be eight I, tables. Right. Still I know. That's what's crazy. Yep. So, so, and. So here's how it is. You got basically, so you have one, two, three, four, right? And one and two are on a team and three and four are on a team. Yes, sir. So player two will then go two tables to the right. And player one will go one table to the right, and then three and four will go three will go two tables to the left, and player four will go one table to the left. Right. No, left. Right. Correct. <laughs> left. <laughs> yes, correct. So, 
So that way, this is going to go worse than WTC matchups. No, Theoretically, better, better. no, no, cause Pat, cause no, Pat's not going to tell I, them all these things. They're just going. He's going to be like, well, "I just did." Should I take that? Day, no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> but day of, you're going to be like, "Dale, you're at table one." Like that's that's all you're going to yep. have to. Yeah, all you're right? going to know is your table assignment. Yes, right. Yeah, you're not going to be like, "Oh, I have it's to do math fast. now." It's and like, like do a, some weird. It's like bolt action speed dating. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I love the concept. And then uh, round three, I will be. Yeah, I've baked in an extra fifteen minutes in the schedule for me to throw some together because there's awards and prizes that will be had. So, the the highest individual will win first place. Mm-hmm. So you might end up someone that you partnered with in round one might also be your opponent in round three because it's Swiss mixed, right? It's yeah, Swiss mixed. Yes, right. Swiss mixed. Yeah, that's yeah with the, with the marshmallows. Yeah, right. But obviously. In, in, and so the way it's scored, right, is like you get a score for every game. You and, you and your, your opponent get the same score. Get the same score, right. whether but you it know, is secondary objectives, scored. whatever you did, you both get the exact same score. Yep. And then, yeah, so that happens every round. Right. But, it, but yeah, so it's not a – you each get your own score. Everyone's going to have individual scores. It's just everyone's right. going to have but, a partner that they're trying to score points with. Yep. So yeah. you're, you're trying to play with a partner that you probably didn't plan on playing with or an army that you're not – it's not yours, but yeah, it should be. It's supposed to be fun, damn it! So, I I think it will be. Don't I, take it too seriously. I think it'll be really fun. Yeah, and and I do like the limitations you put into it as well because I think that that does kind of encourage people to not cheese out too much. Which was <laughs> no one multi launcher, one Gurkha, one flamethrower of any kind. Those are all zero one choices, right? There was Correct. Maybe yeah. more. Gurkhas, bamboo fighters, shirkers, bamboo and flamethrowers, yeah. multi launchers. I had to change my list. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> no special characters, no 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 war correspondence. Right, all the other normal yeah. stuff, but you've limit, yep. you've put some limitations on other things yep. just and to kind nine of order encourage. dice just because you're you know, if both players have nine, okay, now that's thirty six dice in the bag for a two and a half hour, that's you know, kinda yeah, gonna have to move all ass there to get through and, that game. And uh doubles games generally run slower than just one V one. That's true. Totally. There's a little more conversation happening, hopefully, yep. between you and your teammate. Yep. So those those uh, just naturally slow things down a little bit. So mm-hmm. that's why. I mean, yeah, 36 dice to get through in two and a half hours between four people is kind of like, hmm. Someone's going to have to be on top of that bag. Yep. And because we're doing, uh, you know, one person, first, second, third sort of thing and not a team, so if we do end up with an odd number of teams, those people that are in the odd teams will just end up playing a 1v1 game so that they'll still get a score for the round and not have a buy. Makes sense. Sure. <clears throat> what happens if there are three extras? Then I have my ringer list. Okay. Jump so, in. Okay. Fabulous. I mean, so you, they're going to have I, to answer their own rule questions. I don't have to hot seat two tables. I mean, I could do that. Just just play <laughs> two two armies. I could do it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, no possible. doubt you could, Jeff. <laughs> and, and probably win both games at the same time. Yeah, that depends. <laughs> It's just so. all Nebelwerfers. All right, tell me when to roll sixes. Oh, there's zero one. <laughs> oh, fine. Well, okay, fine. One of each. And so the tournament and pack went everybody. out yesterday, Friday the 24th. Um, if you read it, great. If you don't, if there's a minimum, please look at pages four and five where I have the FAQ. <laughs> Stuff nah. that is not necessarily 100% covered clearly enough in my liking for Warlord. Uh, and I have answered how it will be applicable in this tournament. Uh, the new ones on there. So uh, <clears throat> this comes directly from uh, episode 72. Is it possible for a fanatic unit to have 
more pins than the morale rating. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no it's not Norm- possible. Normal units, when they get to their morale rating, are removed. Fanatics will not remove it until they exceed their morale rating. So please stop putting 12 pins on, on Fanatics. Right. It doesn't work that way. Uh, also the, new to the yeah. FAQ here is the, the outflanking maneuvers that we said. Uh, and, you know, people read that as rules is written. The first outflanker comes on. you got to tell me where they all are. And on this tournament, that'll be, no, just reveal the secret plans for the unit that came on the yep. board. Okay. Yep. Uh, and this one, here's how Jeff's going to feel how he ruled on this one. Uh, what happens with destroyed vehicles? Do we remove them from the table or leave them as destroyed? And how do we treat them? So I have decided, mostly this is a fun tournament, a vehicle that receives a double destroyed result from a massive, massive damage will be removed. All other destroyed vehicles remain as impassable hard cover. So you're thinking like I roll a six on the damage table, it goes goodbye? So if you have massive damage, meaning you on the damage roll you did... Uh, oh, the two... You get to roll two okay. dice. Okay. And you roll two dice and you do like the four or five and the four or six, mm-hmm. then it's gone. Okay. Oh, so both dice have to have to be destroyed. Yep. You have to you have to blow that. You got to kill up. the hell out of it, and then it goes. Well, so I don't it, like that. I yeah. I don't I don't dislike it. I like the flavor of it. My biggest concern is people are like, huh? What does that? How? What? Like I think there's going to be some confusion, but whatever. Well, of course it's, there is. Yeah, there's always going to be <laughs> the default is just leave it on the damn table. Yeah. Yes. You know, unless you roll. If you don't understand, I should also put: if you didn't understand the sentence, just leave it on the table as impassable hardcover. <laughs> there you go. That's, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Because <laughs> you're like, yeah. like, huh? Okay. No, it says just never mind. Just ignore what I just said. Yep. Okay, perfect. It says just leave it there. Yeah. So. You, so that's coming did. up. Okay. Um, I, I have gotten some prize support for it. Fabulous. Um, I, I think it's. It's uh, rather apropos, and I've reached out to Warlord, and hopefully they'll give me one of their fancy little surprise packs. Sweet. If they're doing those again this year. Uh, I'm not going to try and shake the prize tree too hard, because right around the corner, I don't want to go back and ask these guys again for stuff for Snafu. Yep. So, right. Yeah, uh, the, the pinata only gives so much stuff. Yep, I kind of got to you know, shake the trees that, are, that, that I know will drop a couple of pieces and still have fruit later in the year. Right on. So... Which means, you know, it, 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 we, some of the some of the stuff is the leftover funds from Snafu last year. You know, the, the hundreds so that I had left over that we knew was going to end up being spent on other price support elsewhere. I, which I, say, I have a box or two I could probably give to you of stuff. Just ring, I think, uh, rattle the Rick tree and see what falls well, out? Well, just, I mean, I think if one box is of raffle shit from other places, I can just pick, here's this back, win it again. <laughs> win it again. <laughs> well, you're not going to be there to win it again, Rick. No, I just, no, it's fine. I don't need to win it again. <laughs> I, I got plenty of stuff to work on that I don't need more. Like, I think you, I have a box. You're trying to say it's going to be like there. that box of Dreadfleet that got passed around through four tournaments? Oh, God, that <sighs> thing. The thing still exists somewhere. That thing is being handed around somewhere still. Yeah. History says it's still moving around. <laughs> All right, it's like it's like the fruitcake. Yeah, one, it's, it's, one fruit cake it is literally world. in someone's freezer right now. Yes, mm-hmm. a copy of Dreadfleet. That, that that game was so. I'm surprised that, it's, that we don't still see it. Like stores had like hundreds of copies of that shit, and it was just sitting on the shelf. There's a landfill somewhere that's filled with Dreadfleet boxes in the cellophane. <laughs> it's like New Jersey's just all Dreadfleet. Wasn't it just like awful? I never got to play it. I okay. yeah, nobody. Every review take the living crap out of it, so it was really hard to be like, "Yeah, I should buy this hundred and fifty dollar game full of weird plastic shit." Yeah, and play it. it suffered. It suffered from being the first Warhammer Fantasy 
ship combat game that came after Man of War and wasn't yeah. even remotely like Man of War. What people wanted was was the second edition of Man of War. Right. They mm-hmm. wanted yeah, they wanted a new edition of Man of War. Yep. And that was not what that, that was that not was bad. not what they got. <laughs> but yeah. That was yeah, it kind of fell on the fans didn't like it and it was very expensive from my remember from what I remember it was not a cheap box. Mm-hmm. No. Had a ton of components and shit in it. Like cool like the miniatures look cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Tangent the shit out of it. That's kind of what we do. Yeah, I just speaking of really tangenting, I actually went and looked up transparency paper on uh, on Amazon. Yeah, that shit all belongs in a museum too. Like every package looks like it's from <laughs> like the nineteen eighties. Like it's like, oh my god, it's still the old shit that they still had from back then. They probably made thousands of extras back then, and just selling it now. That sounds about right. Yeah, well, I guess my other option is I could <clears throat> pick up tons of spools of barbed wire and just run into the fences <laughs> too, but that sounds like it'd be kind of a pain in the butt as well. You just have to file down the ends. Like, no, you can you can buy the little barbed wire miniature stuff. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I thought I you just, meant real barbed wire. I'm like, well, <laughs> be careful with that. Everybody, here's, like, your, here's your prize in a tetanus shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no we'll, we'll just stick with the miniatures stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, that'll yeah. be okay. <laughs> yeah, nobody needs to get that day of. Everyone needs to have given you that uh, their tetanus, their tetanus is up to date before. Yeah, wait, wait, let me see. We're gonna need you to and sign this, please. What's that? Oh, that's just your release. Yeah, <laughs> that's your say, medical I, release in case for playing on this table. One of our friends was talking about a forty k tournament where somebody had like a spiky ass table that got like, like literally would stab you if you got near it. Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> where that was. Yeah, I was like, no thanks, I'll pass. That on sounds that. like forty k. It's very forty k. But all right. Uh, that I'm I'm really sad that I'm not going to be there. I kind of helped push you in a direction, Pat, and I was like, and, and then I'm not going to be there. <laughs> I think that's called irony, is what that is. <laughs> Probably because I was like, I'm shaping the event that I would want to go to, where I have random partners that you know, like I get to know new people, maybe hopefully maybe a few, you know. I get to play with people you know that you oftentimes probably play against, like you know, yeah. And all of a sudden, hey, cool. Yeah. Instead of get my butt kicked by Dale, I get to be on his team. That sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think what it also does is like, I've I've seen enough team tournament lists, and you're like, okay, people synergize the living shit out of them, right? You can make two lists like work very well together, depending on what you want to do. Like you can get a you can you can tool the crap out of it, and then you get two people that are like, I'm here to have fun, and it's a very different experience overall. So you know, not being able to know who your teammate is eliminate some of that so you got to kind of bring a little bit more balance yep i think that that's that's beneficial yeah um i think it just protects those newer players a little bit yeah so i I mean if everyone wants to go cutthroat then it's a different thing and then yeah sure you'd have paired teams and i mean we could run a tournament like that some other time right you can do a hard you could do a hard doubles i just spent a year training for high competitive i thought i thought this would be a nice this uh, is very this feels very casual Everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows they're going to have new players too. Yep. Yeah, and I and I I hope I hope for that my sake at least a little bit that people enjoy it because I kind of push you this way and I feel bad that I maybe did since I'm not going to be there. So uh, gripes can be sent to Rick yeah. dot. Yeah. <laughs> you you can you can definitely complain on Facebook if it doesn't work out, but I think it will. I think it's you're going to get the type of players that want to have fun. I agree. You might lose some competitive players. That are there to like the, you know this is a different experience. I'm, I'll be playing competitively, but I, I I'm not bringing the list that I wanted to. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just realized I had to reject my own uh, ringer list because I had two uh, two squads of shirkers in it. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, because the shirkers were limited too. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if in doubt, read the player pack because it tells you all this shit. Right. That's such it's a all. novice concept. Right. I or mean, uh, the, or the next episode. Oh no, sorry. By the time we record again, I think this tournament will be done. Yeah, Most probably, likely, uh, yeah. theoretically. Mm, it depends. It's January. 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 <laughs> I'll be ready in January again. I'll be able to record in January again. Uh, no, July's shaping up to be a wicked month. So uh, yeah. well, Summer always is. That's why I tried to grab you guys as early as I could before the fourth hit and everyone got scattered to the vacation. Seven wins. wins. Yeah. Getting close already. I think you got the one weekend. Yep. Sweet. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's soup to nuts indirect fire then. Shall we? Nuts. Mm, yeah. Mm, soup. Beer nuts. Beer nuts soup. Mm. What? That's not, a, that's not a thing. I hope not. Now get the deer beer nuts. nuts. They're cheaper. Beer soup is a thing. No, no. Deer yes. nuts. They're cheaper. They're under a buck. Deer nuts. <sighs> yes. Oh, my God. Wow. That pass. Hard pass. All right. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about indirect fire because everyone has fun with it. And everyone uses the shit out of it, I guess. A little bit, right? Uh, everyone's got at least everyone's almost always got a mortar I think I think probably the medium mortar of the spotter is like the, like the universal language for all armies it explains uh, why I don't speak the universal one? language is that because you run the heavies <laughs> yeah I mean it depends on the army but yes I like I like heavies because when they land holy shit that's okay well let's start let's start with the weapons that have indirect fire to them we, we mentioned the mortar of course yes sir there's the three flavors of those mm, three yep. flavors of mortar no well there's four if you count the uh, the spigot mortar I'm just throwing that in there why would you bring that up again because that thing's a meme because it's hilarious because it's, it's freaking <laughs> stupid Good, yeah, I know. Stupid good, yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was actually reading one of the Wikipedia entries on it. And there's only like 50 of them. I so mean, that's about the same number of Pumas. Yeah, yeah I, I mean guess. that's about a half of the other shit that's like, out there in this. What ten times more than there were Warble wins? <laughs> or uh, Google Blitzes? Google Blitzes? Google Blitzes? Blitzes. Yeah, Google yeah. Blitzes. Okay, all right. Well, all right. So there's that. But yeah. But I, I guess that it, it's it was not known for its accuracy, but it was known for its causing terror. So seems accurate. D6 no, inaccurate. Just a lot. Well, yes, inaccurate, but seems <laughs> right. historically relevant. Like, there we go. Whatever. I, I would imagine it would cause terror. Yes. All right. So we included the spigot martyr. Yeah, it's its own thing. Yeah, but yes, it's its own thing. And then you've also got the howitzers. The varieties of those, yep. And then you've also got some of the what was those? Was it the grenade launchers that they added, like uh, Battle of the Bulge book? Oh, the rifle grenades. The rifle grenades. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it didn't. I mean. Those existed for the French from the beginning. So. Yeah, the, yeah French, the French had them. The French had them from the beginning. And there was, a, there was an engineer squad in Germans that Fr- had French it. French had them before they were cool. Hipsters. Yeah, French. <laughs> Cutting edge fashion. French, French were very cool. French like were that. very avant garde with the rifle grenades. <laughs> so, and if people don't know how they work, you shouldn't be using them. Also, how direct work? No, rifle grenades. Oh, yeah, I don't know how to use those. I would never bring them. They're they not like, cheap. They're like a 6 to 18 or something goofy like that for range. Mm-hmm. Short range, yes. light mortar. Essentially yeah. a light mortar. Yeah, it's yeah. a shorter range, light mortar. Shorter range. Yes. And you can move and shoot and watch it. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. Well, and so and they're, if they're they're in a squad, they can fire at a different target than the rest of the rifles are shooting at, too. So. Because mm-hmm. that's just one shot. I thought that was just like, one shot. We'll we'll post. Well, we don't know the answer to that right now. We're not gonna. Maybe maybe we'll look it up in a second. I do, but I had to switch computers, and this one does not oh. have, does not have my rule book on it, or else I was, I'll I'll look it up in the break, and we'll get back to you on that. There you go. I'll have to pop out to my Dropbox. 
Well, just, I mean, isn't Warlord having a 50% off digital book sale? Can you just buy them and put yeah, them on your new buy, computer? Just buy them all. Right right now, yeah. Yeah. Come just on. buy it again. <laughs> again and again and again. Just keep buying I have them in my Dropbox. So I'll just go grab the... All right, you guys move on to the next one, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll all circle right. back for you. I mean, I think the... Uh, do we count Nebelwerfers or multi-launchers in the weapons slot? Well, they fire and direct at all times. They, they fire yeah. and direct HE, so they fire and direct. Yeah, so I guess I guess yeah. that would be the other uh, the other one that we haven't talked about yet would be the multi launcher, which is its own thing. It acts a little differently and always it's, only only hits on sixes, but it's the same yeah, concept. It's the David S. Pumpkins of of uh, indirect fire. It, uh, the joke either hits or it doesn't. Yeah, it didn't hit with me. I'm like, who is that? I'm like, you know that name. I, I missed don't it know why. Too, so. <laughs> what is it from? It's the old SNL bit with. Okay, all right. I thought it was maybe SNL. Tom Hanks, where he's in the elevator and he's like, mm. David has pumpkins and no one gets the joke. Cause yeah, it's, okay. It's like, yeah. It's a Halloween episode, wasn't it? Was it is a Halloween episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes. actually remember it and I was like, what is going on? I actually remember watching it and not yes. understanding it. Exactly, exactly. It's very much a yeah. hit or miss. <laughs> like old SNL was. All right. Well, like new SNL, I guess, too. Yeah, pretty much all SNL. Pretty much all yeah. SNL. It's very yeah. hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of that's kind of the. I don't yeah. know. There were some there were some seasons that went back to back that were pretty hit. So that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, all I know is I can pull off an incredible John Belushi sushi guy. What is I can't remember what his name was. The the samurai butcher. <laughs> like I I was when his Halloween once since him and I was like holy shit I actually kind of look like John Belushi. <laughs> or, <laughs> Yeah, not necessarily in a good way. It's like, oh man, maybe I need to clean up my act a little bit. Do just a few pounds short of coke to pull off a, a really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I should have done that. Dang it! I should have had like a, like powder in my nose or something. There you go. <laughs> 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 it probably wasn't the most appropriate party. Hey, Pat, have we bought you enough time to find the answer to your question yet? Almost. Oh, okay. All right. We'll keep talking then. Um, Let's talk about the roles of, of indirect fire. I'm probably the worst person to answer this, but I think it's probably to move infantry. As my, my primary role for my indirect fire is to either... It's basically to keep moving shit. Uh, any, anything, any kind of indirect fire that ranges in absolutely is either is to make things move or punish things that are sitting on an objective or in some form of cover. Or punish right. something that can't move. Or punish something that can't move, or exactly. Or very good at... Yeah, that's also a very good use for it. Yep. Counter battery and artillery. Exactly. Yeah, it's like yep. your, your medium mortar hitting a bigger bigger piece of artillery yep. sucks. For the, the lesser known uh, medium mortar wars. Yes. <laughs> the medium mortar wars. Well, we had the sniper wars. You know, when you you, you want to be a veteran for that. You know, now you well, ideally, you've won the sniper war, and then your sniper can take out the mortar. So. Yeah. Yes. That usually is the the answer to that problem. Yeah. But they can't do so much to a howitzer, though. Depends upon same. how the um, how the this, infantry is lined up around it. Well, the sniper can certainly pick guys off the house. Oh, oh, the sniper on. you're talking about, yeah, yeah. You can't. The sniper can. Yes, yes. Another another temp with landing on an artillery piece sucks. Yeah, but you if you if you you can't sniper it off at least. You can't. Yeah, that's the nice, yeah. You, the, that's the difference between having a mortar and howitzers. Right. right. Howitzers are artillery pieces and can't be one shotted off with a sniper, which is no. nice. Only with other heavy weapons. Right. Which fucking blows when it happens, but it happens. That's why I take that AT rifle. Yep. On a on a <laughs> Brent so That's because you can pop a because you can pop an artillery piece. Yep. If you if you roll lucky. Yeah, if you roll four sixes in a row. 
do it all day. Only four sixes in a row. Yep. I've only done that well, once in my life. Well, you only need four if you have to, if you need a super six to to hit it. Right. Yeah. If you've moved in hard cover, <laughs> like long range. Yes. Yeah. So if you're in sevens, all of a sudden. Yep. That's we have to be careful how we say that, Pat or uh, J- Dale, whatever your name is. Jesus. Whoever as we've learned, people don't understand what we're saying when we say supers. Well, that's super. that's their fault. I mean, obviously, it's the superior way to say it. So, all right. So, in episode seventy-three, we are going to define what supers mean, so we understand everyone. It means sixes following sixes. Yeah. I got used to saying that at the tournament was like supers, and like, what? The f- what are you talking about? Sixes following sixes. Okay, all right, got it. Yep. Super so call them sevens like, or seven, seven on the dice. Yeah. That works. There's lots of different ways no, to call it. Super really Sixes is the official snafu name for it now. I, I agree, and we should we'll we'll uh, we'll TM that and put it on our shirts or something. Yep. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the music. Super Sixes. Dude, super Sixes for the win. If you made if you made a shirt that was like the Superman symbol, except there was two dice with double sixes on it, I would wear that shit all over the place. But it can't be sixes; it has to be stars. Oh yeah, yeah sure, yeah, yeah, double star, yeah, double, <laughs> yeah, double, double, double star, yeah. I'd wear the shit out of it. Look like we've got boobies on our shirt. Well, I mean, I've got boobies. I might as well accentuate them. Don't put them there. (laughs) Put them towards the middle. No, no, I want them. I want some Elvira pasties on my shirt. Oh, Jesus. I mean, that's what my boobs are for, drawing attention. Hell yeah. We can put little red stars on them. It's going to draw attention. (laughs) All right. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, Pat, did you find your answer? No. Our, our listeners are begging you to find it so we could shut yeah, up. because we can stop talking yes. about weird shit that we don't need to talk about. That's fine. Okay, I mean, so that's the role of stuff that ranges in. Yes, sir. Um, let's add the role of the Nebelwerfer, which is yes, purely sir. a psychological weapon. Yeah. As yes. far as I'm concerned. It's there to make your opponent be nervous about putting his shit together. Yes. And to yep. scare your opponent when you're rolling it, when, every time you shoot it and roll dice. Yep. Well, yeah, it encourages people to keep their crap away from buildings. Yep. And it keeps tries to keep things spread out. Yeah, absolutely a terror weapon. If it actually ever hits anything, which it's, oh, yeah. it usually doesn't, but if it ever does, then it's like that's just gravy. Good night. That's just yeah. gravy. Yeah. The, the worst. Go ahead, Pat. Page seventy-two. If a Page. unit includes both normal weapons and indirect firing weapons, such as one one or more light mortars, uh, any mortar in the squad can pick a target individually, regardless of what the rifles and other mortars are in the squad are doing. Nice. Ranging in is kept track of separately for each mortar. You might have to write things down. Dot dot dot. Well done. All right, so it exists. It was not a yep. yeah, yeah. Thankfully, sorry, I said it twice and skipped over it. So someone said multi launcher, and I was right. Multi launcher is the next sentence. And I'm like, oh, hey, multi launchers. <laughs> the the last the last tournament that we went to, or the one that Pat ran, theaters of war. And that was theaters of war, and I brought a I brought the uh, Panzerwerfer, and I think I faced. Two of my three opponents didn't know what a multi-launcher was, so it had no psychological effect. Oh, that, that sucks! <laughs> I was like, I had to like, I'm like, so here's what it does. Like, he, like trying to play it up. And you're like, okay, and just like put all their shit on the table the way they would have anyway. And they're like, crap. like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, like it worked, but I don't roll sixes, so it didn't matter unless yeah. I'm rolling a leadership check or something. Yeah, it was quite funny. I was like, all right, and this is how a multi-launcher works. And they're like, yeah, okay. That, that's that's nice patchy on the head like that's, that's yeah nice. <laughs> good for you to bring the funny isn't choices. that cute yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh he's gonna play with it okay <laughs> i mean whatever all right sorry do uh the rest of the rolls do we we got the multi we got the yep. multi-launchers roll. We got the, i mean we kind of yeah i think yeah, we covered them yeah, yeah I think, all right, the only it. the only other thing i would mention and it falls into forcing units to move 
keep in mind that in order to drop the ranging in, the unit has to shift from its previous location by more than two inches. Yes. And if the it's entire footprint. If it's a huge unit, like fifteen yeah. spearmen, that might actually be relatively difficult depending upon how they're moving it. So if you range in on a unit and they're like, Okay, I've moved two inches, well, you may still be ranged in on that unit, so you want to pay attention to that. Yep. Yeah, like there's the the T the Russian T thirty five which can't move out of its own footprint Correct. at all. So once you're ranged in, you're ranged in the rest of the game. <laughs> it's a dildo moving across the table. It really, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's slow to move, so it can only go six inches, yeah. and it can't run. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like five and a half inches long. So that's what wait, that's what I said. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. She loved you. Yep, so that's a, that's the other little piece of that, you know, shifting units and light, ranging in, that whole thing. So, I think we touched target selection a little bit as far as what, you're, what you should be using for. Yeah. I think we hit that yeah. pretty well. Yep, that wraps up, or that falls into roles as well. Yep, so. yep. Uh, so the timing of it, and uh, I, I see new players do this a lot. Um your first dice out of the bag shouldn't be your mortar. No. Well, you want to be targeting units not that on have your, are, well, not, not, not on first, first turn. not on turn yeah. one, not on turn one. You're right. Thank you. Turn two, probably, but you don't target units that haven't activated already this turn. You want to give yourself that opportunity to get that dice early round next turn. So if you miss that six, now you're hitting them in a five mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to be looking for. But I, you know, I've seen people target units that haven't activated, and then, okay, then they go and move, and they're like, oh, well, I guess that didn't work. Like, well, yeah. no, it didn't. So that's the difference, you know, between multi-launchers, which almost always want to go as early as they can in the round, and people are still clumped together. Mm-hmm. Just getting the timing down of when your indirect fire should go. So same, all of the indirect fire, howitzers and whatnot. Yes. Yep. And then you have to decide if pulling the bag subsequent to turn one, if you want to take, you know, I mean, if the last dice out of the bag, you use your mortar and you miss on a six, and then you pull the next dice out of your bag, and you've got a five up, you know, two rolls, you know, that's not terrible odds, but you have to you have to make that choice. Clearly, if you've ranged in and it's a two up, then you want to take advantage of that. So, And don't be surprised when you do roll a one. <laughs> right. Don't be upset. Yes, because it happens too. More often than you care for it to happen. Right. Your your evaluation <laughs> yeah. is my sniper still on the table? Oh, it is. Okay, I'm going to use my sniper shot versus I'm going to try and use range in on a five. Yep. You know, there's other things to do with your dice. If you did, if you ranged in, sure, yeah, absolutely going to punish that unit. If you lucked out that first round. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to force it to go down, right? Theoretically, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're ranged in, I think most people are going to go down at that point. So, yeah. and then you'll roll the one, and they'll be like, "Damn, why did I go down?" Right? Yep. Yeah. You'll yeah be like, Damn, why? That's did exactly I go down? how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's everyone's upset. If I could only have known what you'd rolled before you rolled it, I would right. have been fine. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that would have changed everything. Speaking so of which, I'm entering a rock paper scissor contest, so I need to know what everyone's thinking before. I'm, I'm not even shitting you. I'm actually. I just. I, I signed up for a rock paper scissor contest. <laughs> free, free, free. But the first prize is five hundred dollars. Oh Jesus! I know. It's like I kid you not. Yeah. So this uh, is like a professional uh, pro am 
Rock, um, paper, scissors competition? Yes, you, you totally. couldn't find uh, a cornhole game or something? This was free, and it was rock, paper, scissors. And the kid, the, the picture from last year was a kid holding it up, so I figured I got a shot at winning it. <laughs> I don't well, I, don't I mean, you've got a, you've got a good record against against kids in competitions. Yeah, so. yes, thanks, Carl. You're out there somewhere, Carl. You're not a kid anymore, though. No, <laughs> this is like a full grown adult. I think he's graduated college. That's a story for another day, everyone. <laughs> I would lose to children all the time. All right, so yeah. let's go to the, the other side of the indirect fire and go, go to the the targets side, and how how should they best handle their situation with indirect fire like if we're if we're oh. being shot by indirect fire yeah sure so let's look at the other side let's look at the other side and think things through on that end um i think i've heard jeff say this a couple of times um only if the unit is very valuable would you consider going down when they're first ranging in a six I, I would agree with that. Yep. I often will look at my opponent very cautiously with kind of squinty eyes and be like, okay, he's rolling a six this time, and then go down. But then other times be like, no, he's not going to roll a six. Yeah. My, my my specific rule of thumb is is if this guy rolls a six, will it completely wreck my entire game? And if the answer to that is yes, yes I go down. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, like, what about the five? Mm, why haven't you moved? Yeah, if it's, I usually let him, I let him just have the five. I don't start going. I don't. I don't start going down to four. So, if me personally, um, you know, if, if it's the they got the last round six plus, and they get an early dice, and that and that unit hasn't activated, and they're on the five plus, I'm taking that five plus and damn remembering to move that unit. Yeah, yeah, run. Yeah, get the heck out of there. So, and hopefully you haven't taken too many pins that you're going to fail that check. Right. I was going to say I, I have in the past uh, targeted units that I'm ranging in on to give them pins. With other units, so they don't get to move. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're you're right. You're punishing that rally. Yeah, you clear all my pins, but you're going to take a big template typically. I yes. I almost never go down unless I'm already being ranged in on. Um, and adding the additional pins can be tricky if they're already down, and so you start to lose a little bit of efficiency in those choices. So, I mean, I I, I think it also sometimes depends dale on where your unit is when it decides sure. when you decide to go down right sure like you and i played you know you're putting those units down there on the objectives there's no reason not to They're oh get shot at a bunch of other times yeah i mean if, if, if you're in a static position and you're just trying to tank as much damage as you can yeah. mm-hmm. yes that's 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 a perfect point so yeah. and that's actually an important distinction right yeah it's just like you never it's not you don't not never go down no. it's you go down when it's when you're just trying to preserve your unit yes yep. You have no other things to do with it. It's going to sit there and it's going to sit on the objective and do what it's supposed to be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to just protect it. Yep. And don't forget, That's, at the end of the turn, you can leave your unit down and, and remove some pins. pins off. And, yep. Yep. D3. Just, yeah, it's not D3 plus one. It's just D3. Straight D3. Straight yep. D3. But still, that's that's not nothing when you're taking pins. Absolutely. It's really nice sometimes. And yeah. it's and it's also not losing an order dice. Correct. Which is Which is... Absolutely huge. Yes. Well, and, and down is so defensive anyway. You know, if that unit's sitting where you want it to be sitting, yeah. then there's no reason not to be down. Yeah, and Particularly down, if there's a table with cover. And down, yes. down is even better against HE because you're having all of those hits. So yes, sir. Yeah. Um, it's a great way to kind of suck a little bit of the life out of... I mean, sure, they've hit you, um, and that can hurt. But if you're down and continue to go down, then they're not getting nearly as much efficiency out of that weapon as they could be if they're... 
And that's another that's another unit they're not targeting. Yep. Right. Right. You're moving your other stuff instead. So they're having to invest another action or two or three, depending upon how many guys you've still got in that unit. Um, and even in the end, because you're going down, they they may not be able to clear everything off, depending upon how much time is left. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it may it may give you uh, an opportunity to get something to over there to actually take out that mortar team or yes. direct fire team as yep. well. Yep. You can, you can, you can. You don't have to let them keep blowing up. You can go send stuff to destroy. What's you could go up. kill the mortar. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's yeah. not. That's they're yep. not terribly hard to kill. Yeah, the mortar. I think the mortar is is best at trying to hit those static targets, like those other the artillery pieces that mm-hmm. can't the move. Artillery pieces, yeah. Um, yeah. Because if if that artillery piece is going down, it not firing is worth continuing to hammer that position. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And the other the other thing that you're hoping for is to catch a big unit. Um, and it's not down, and you splash that template on them, and you cripple that unit with a number of pins, killing four or five guys if you're lucky, and then you can. It's a lot more easy to deal with at that point. So, mm-hmm. and uh, again, this goes without saying, but I'm a dumbass, so I have to say it. Uh, how you position your units are really matters sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. When you splash a template. Don't don't put them all nice tight in there. Yeah, they're, they're get like nine, you get nine guys like oh shit like I just killed that entire unit or even if you're even if you're having them because you're down but you're tight you're still going to lose you know what that's still four or five hits depending on how your unit is so keep that in mind at all times it's hard to remember that sometimes I always forget it all the time and I'm like oh crap I bunched them up and now I'm going to hit with a template yeah. shit but uh, yeah and then also when you're removing models consider that when you're removing models Yes. Like if you're like if that unit is the unit's down, and you're being defensive. Okay, removing models really matters how you place them because it could change how the template lands. Mm-hmm. Right, you could get less hits if you move the right model versus you know just the back guy. Right, back guy was probably not the right choice. <laughs> probably, I'm just saying. <laughs> but okay, that was my dumb dumb help. No, it wasn't dumb. That was good. It was very good. Well, it's it's. I feel like an idiot when I do it. Because I always do it like I'm okay moving this unit up quick, and then I'm like, oh shit, they're all together. And like, oh no, a template. And then sure enough, a template will land on top of them. And like that sucks. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that one inch template becomes very valuable. Like, oh, you just hit four guys with a one inch template. That's awesome. Three usually, but whatever. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. It's happened. It happens. It's happened. Yeah. Uh, is there anything more we're going to talk about indirect fire? Anything else? Any other thoughts? I got nothing more, so. Okay. Bring them. They're good. You should. I always have at least one. Yep. I find that not having a spotter sometimes is fine. Depends on the table and the mission. It really depends on the table, for sure. Yep. Yeah, I didn't didn't feel bad at WTC not having spotters. No. That's for sure. I don't (laughs) think anyone did. I don't think anyone cared. And the, the the other side of that is... Spotters is it? Spotters and four deployers is a different game that maybe we'll talk about in another episode. Sure, yeah, it does. It does change things a little bit. You're right. Okay, um, I think we're going to take a short break. We'll come back and we're going to talk about being nice at a tournament. Uh, just going to a tournament. I don't know. Tournament etiquette is really what it is. Yeah, which isn't the same as being nice at a tournament. Tournament, always. You're, you're absolutely right. To, I mean, you should still be nice, but there's there's 
there's nice on the table and there's nice as a person. You need to be nice as a person. You don't need to be necessarily nice on the table, but we'll talk about it. You shouldn't that. be dancing on the table anyway. I love dancing. You shouldn't on the table. be on I mean I do too. Maybe not not maybe not a Warhammer or a bolt action table, excuse me. Damn, I said Warhammer. All right, take a short break. Let's take a break, then. Yeah, I need, I need, I need something. I need something to drink. I'm out of drink. All right, we'll take a short break. Come back, talk about that. I uh, hope you enjoy the music. like music it was amazing i love yeah it. i got the hiccups while we were on break so 
Hopefully they don't come back again. I think I got rid of them, but it got you a little worked up there. Just huh? got to come over to your house and scare Apparently. you. <laughs> Jeff's just standing outside my window. Recorded this entire me. episode in my car parked in front of your house. <laughs> <laughs> For just the just the occasion. Just in case you got the hiccups. Yeah, that would be that would be rather that'd be rather scary. Uh yeah, not what I would expect. But anyway, uh hope you enjoyed it. I I thoroughly enjoyed my short break there. But uh, so let's uh, let's talk about tournaments. Uh, more specifically, going to a tournament and how you should act at a tournament. Yes, and yeah. The things you should and should not do at a tournament. You shouldn't cheat. Yeah, our thoughts. Well, that's our a, thoughts on this. Yeah, this is our thoughts. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure that other personal. people have thoughts. <laughs> yeah, cheating is cheating is frowned upon in every game and every sports and everything that you could possibly do. Uh, I don't think there's a place for it in, in gaming in general. I think that that usually gets you, hopefully gets you ejected or booted from the, at least the, the event that you're in and maybe not be encouraged to come to further events in the future. Yeah. Just getting that out on the front, right? Like, I I don't tolerate cheating. There's, there's no reason to. Right. And if you win a tournament because you cheated, does it make you a better person? No. Like, no. You're, just, you're not. You're not like. No. Oh yeah, I'm the best ever. No. no, you're like I cheated my way to the top. That's kind of gross. Um, it, I don't think this isn't about cheating, though, is it? Mm. No, it's no, not. not. Nope. I I got my cheating out of the way. There we go. Let's let's talk about tournament etiquette then, as far as like how what what you should expect and what you should be doing at a tournament. Because I think that you that's should read important. the pack. That's that's a, that's outside <laughs> of the, the outline that we have as well. But yes, you should absolutely. That's you know that's giving respect to the tournament organizer and the tournament itself. Is if you've read the pack, I honestly think that that is just is probably disrespectful to not have put any effort to at least have the bare minimum knowledge of what's going on. But I think we're actually talking about how what your player conduct yes. should be. Yes, yes. Um, some simple examples are you know a lot of people have templates and stuff like that. You know you have your your two three four inch templates. Uh, a lot of people have uh, the little six-inch movement, you know, because all the good is six inches. That's it. The widget. That's yep. you know, it's a fairly common thing. And leaving those lying in the playing surface can kind of give you a good judge of exactly what some distances are. So I think, um, and, and it's probably very subconscious, and people just forget. But keeping that stuff off the table when it's not being used. Yep. Yeah, I've seen people go as far as to have their tape measure, like you know, those level locks, like right, they stay locked until you push the button, but they'll leave it just open. Yeah. And I think like and again, I'm a pretty friendly tournament player in general. Like I don't necessarily like I'm not hard nosed about what my opponent's doing, but I have noticed that before. I, I typically don't ask because it usually is not a problem. But that is that is actually an edge, right? Like that is that is specifically you know, the ranges because you have a number in front of you. Yep. Uh, another thing I always do is if you're targeting or you know doing a charge and measuring distances and stuff like that, tell your opponent what the number is. If you know the number, it's only fair that they know the number too. Yep. Right. They they absolutely yep. could measure themselves, but why bother going through the rigmarole if you have already measured and you know the number? You should absolutely be like that was 22 inches away. It's that's a very easy thing to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. These are all just like one-off tips here. <laughs> uh, here here's, here's another one. Um, when you roll your dice, pick up your misses, not your hits. Yep. Well, first, roll your dice in a place where your opponent can see yes. them. Not yes. behind the building in your little corner because, I mean, that it, it may be the most, like, accommodating space, 
but this is not the best for your point. I will say this for WTC: there is plenty of open spaces to roll <laughs> dice that both players could see the results. Absolutely, yes, <clears throat> um, y- yes. I a hundred percent think though that you need to find a place. There needs to, you, you you know roll them off the table if you have to. Wherever there's got to be a place where your opponent can see them, and then like you said, Pat, picking up your misses, not your hits, is a very like a very easy way to show your opponent that you're like I'm not I'm not trying to cheat. Yep. Right. Like uh, announce, announce your number of hits and yep. let them give you a head nod or repeat the number and say yep mm-hmm. or nice job or don't, you know confirm yeah before you're rolling your wound stuff yeah don't don't roll and scoop in a five second shot because I think that that's again you know everyone's everyone's moving fast there's a time limit but you have to be considerate to your opponent in that regard right they they would like to get an opportunity to see those dice too yep yep not and, because and, anyone's cheating but that's just just courtesy. you know. It's courtesy, and I don't know how many games, like, I've missed one, or my opponent misses one, or there's like, no, that was a three, not a five, or whatever, right? There's uh, there's an opportunity for someone to help you in some regard, too, right? Like, nope, that was another five. You had another one, right? Yeah, I've, no, you picked up a five. Oh, okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, you know, and I'm more than willing to help my opponent do that, too, but I think that that's, you know, that's part of being able to see the dice. I can't yeah, so help you if they're hiding behind a building. If, you, if you're a person who likes to roll things in a box or in a dice tray... And the edges are a little high. No. Well, as long as as long as you're in a position where your opponent can see it, that's I don't care. But yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this for a second because we're talking about dice. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, I mean this is fair, and this is no. I'm gonna say this, and this is not mean meant to offend anyone else. You know, I played this person at WTC. I struggle with people that roll certain dice for certain things and then other dice for other things. Um, that can give that looks a very, shady as yeah, I mean, as f. You may not be cheating, and that's maybe I'm sure you're not. It maybe is just a psychological thing for you. It's observation bias at a minimum, but yeah. I think that that's the trick, right? Is like you know, I I have a pool of dice. These I are roll them for dice. everything. Yeah, this is my not my. Check. These are not. Yeah, these are not my leadership dice. These are not my hit dice. Whatever. Um, I think that's. You just have to be very cognizant of what other people are doing, and I think the. Um, I know at least in one circumstance where I would have been like, "Can I use your dice?" I don't know that they would have wanted me to use them. Right. And I think that's the like. If you ever face that, that's a very easy way to fix that problem. Is to ask your opponent, okay, we're going to just roll all your dice then. Like, we can roll your dice for my stuff and your di- your stuff, and that would that would even things out and would make that mm-hmm. not look shady anymore, yeah. right? Because it's going to be it's going to even av- average out for everyone. Um, but that's weird to use someone else's dice. Yeah. So just, just have one kind of dice, especially in a, a COVID world. Yeah. When, Fair. when I when I used to play competitive X Wing, it was absolutely a rule that if you wanted to, you could ask, and then you would only use one set of dice. Right, like yeah, you and your and opponent would both use the same dice for everything. And at a high level event, I don't think that's unreasonable. I, I think it's reasonable for the TO to provide dice. Yeah, I was going to say I, I know in the top tables for forty k tournaments, the, the tournaments provide the dice for the. I table. think that's a very easy solution to the problem. Is like here are the dice you're going to be using. Don't be using other dice. It it just provides that just extra level of security that you're going to feel like it's nobody's doing anything weird. I, and I don't I, even know where you could find rigged dice. Can you, can you buy them somewhere? You can make them. Um, you absolutely can. You can make them? Okay. 
So there's something called. Well, never mind. We're not going to get into it in the conversation. But yes, it's absolutely available. Yeah. So you can you can. This is one of those things where I'm not going to tell you how to rob a bank because I don't want to like. Yeah, exactly. I was just about right. to, and I'm like, no, no, you don't need to know that. It's like, not that I've done it. I just researched it, and it is absolutely still a thing, and you can absolutely still buy them. They look like every other normal dice. Um, you mean you just can't take the the one side and paint a couple of extra pips on it to make it a three? Well, you could absolutely do that too. That's a different type of cheating. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's that was the more common thing that I found was something called yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Try to get it out of me, but no. Um, You'll find eventually if we can. Yeah, eventually I'll st- eventually I'll put it on right on our Discord or something. No, um, I just think it it just gives you such a weird look if you're you rolling certain dice for certain things and other dice for other things. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't make your opponent feel good, right? And I know people are superstitious, but be superstitious about one set of dice then, right? Like uh, multiple times this has happened. This is not just one event that this has happened at. And I would have loved to if they've just been like, I'm just going to use my gray dice or I'm just going to use my red dice and then not use any of the other dice and just made it, it would have, it would have felt less sketchy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, whatever. That's, that's a gripe on mine, but uh, yeah. the next one I have a gripe with too because I think I what I will do at the beginning of a tournament or at the beginning of a game is I will be like, any dice that's cocked, I will pick up and roll. Regardless of, like, I'm not going to try and put a dice on top of it. Six or one doesn't matter. If it's sitting on a piece of terrain or whatever, I'm going if to pick it up. If it is not 100% flat right. on, the, on the surface. And, and you can do this any way you want, but you have to be consistent, yeah. right? You have to say, I'm going to always do this, or I'm going to always do the other things, right? You can always say, I'm going to always put a dice on top, but don't be selective, like, oh, it's a good roll. I'm not going to be cocked anymore. Like, it, it's really easy to get into that mentality of, like, oh, it's beneficial to me. I'm going to leave it versus, you know, it's beneficial for my opponents to not. So along that line, I my rule of thumb is if a dice is cocked, I always ask my opponent. It's like, what do you want me to do with that one? Whether sure. it's a one that's or very six. reasonable. Yeah, that's very that's very courteous to your opponent, right? You're being kind and being like, I, "What do you want me to do?" And if you want, let me, them decide. Yeah, and if he wants me to keep a one, I'm fine. Whatever. Yeah, I, I, I putting a decision on your opponent can be kind of challenging too, though. I like to sense that. that, like, <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> it, it kind of throws them off balance. Where it's like, I I've just said, if it's cocked, it's cocked. Like it's always going to be. Yeah. I'm always going to pick yeah. it up. And as long as you're consistent, I agree with you. That's just yeah. that's fine. And I even have, like even during WTC, I was telling my opponent if it's cocked, I'm going to pick it up. Yep. Like it's um, so easy enough. Rolling dice that go off the playing surface. Yeah, that I pick those up too personally. I pick those up too. I I know some people will not. They'll leave it whatever the number shows. They'll up. leave it whatever it is, you know. Um, and that's you know as you said, that's a consistency thing. Yes. You know, or people are rolling in a tray and it pops out of the tray. And you know what? If you're rolling in a tray and it pops out, I think you need to re-roll it. If you're going through that effort, regardless of what the result is, you should re-roll it back into your little special tray. So, I, it's again, this all comes down to consistency. You're going to do one thing, do it every time. <clears throat> and in fact, I know in certain circumstances, I will adopt whatever my opponent's doing. Mm-hmm. Right, I will follow the same consistencies. Right, it's not hard to follow. Like, oh yeah, I rolled off. We're going to leave it. You know, whatever the dice result is, is dice. We're going to both do the same things. It's on the floor. It's a five. It's good. <laughs> you can you can see it, right? Oh, tough luck. You can't see it, but it is a five. Yeah, yeah like I don't. Yeah, nobody needs to do that. Um, has anyone has anyone seen that? 
I haven't. I've never seen that. I haven't seen I, anyone I have, roll it off. I have often. jokingly said it, but no. I have, I have never seen anyone try to claim a dice that's gone to the floor, whatever <laughs> yeah. facing is. Yeah. At least not since we were elementary like, kids. I actually feel like I might have seen it. At, like I, I don't know. I don't know if I can say that. It, I, I, and if it was, it was like one time. It was never like I would not consider it to be a normal thing for someone to be like, yep, it's a five on the floor. That doesn't. That doesn't. Count. My rule of thumb is: if you're rolling on the playing surface and it leaves the playing surface, it's the same as being on the floor. Sure. Reroll yeah. it. I'm, I'm. Again, just be consistent, and then it's not a yeah. problem. And don't be advantageous to when it's advantageous to you. Yeah. Right. Don't don't keep that six if you wouldn't have kept that one. And I know that's really challenging for some people to do. Yep. It is. I, I, I mean, I've felt the urge before, being like, "Oh yeah, that's. Oh no, yeah, I got cocked. I gotta go." But, um, and, and the dice gods will favor you for being consistent in that manner. That's very untrue. <laughs> I'm trying to make people feel better here, Rick. Come on, work with me. If, you, if you're up on your bucket of chicken sacrifices, maybe. But yeah. <laughs> uh, as it ha- as it stands, I'm in the market for a brand new fresh set of dice because I gave all my dice away to all the people that are never going to want to use those dice ever again. So Don't I've cursed a I've cursed a dozen box? other people. Yeah, 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 I got a whole bunch more, but I, okay. yes, I gave away the ones that were sucking. Maybe, um, oh, nice. Probably the third or fourth time I've done that, though. Maybe, maybe don't, don't um, like cut yourself and bleed all over this batch, and they'll. I've never, I've never cut myself doing these. There's no cutting. It's I thought all... you got some blood in the red at some point or something. So, I hope not. No, not this all one. Right. Maybe my, maybe my other red, okay. like my paint for my army red, not the enamel paint, but, um. Dice are so finicky. You just have to be. I'm, that I, I will also say that's something to be etiquette-wise about is, and I'm I'm guilty of this all the time, bitching about your dice. Um, I yeah. do that all the time. It's, I know. It's so it's hard. terrible habit of mine, to, but I do it all the time. Yeah. I, it's so frustrating. You're like, ugh, yeah, you're just not supposed to. You shouldn't be complaining about your dice, and you shouldn't be complaining about your opponent's dice going hot. Yeah. Um, it's those those things swing hard. they come around. Yeah, and I think you have to remember that, and you have to remember that there's averages work out. Sometimes it sucks because your your opponent's hot, and you kill all your shit before you get to average your dice out somehow. Um, but but that's part of the game, right? Is dice dice go hot and cold? So how how do you guys feel about this? Oh, so I, the, there are there are before you say anything. I think okay. um, you're going to bring up what I was going to bring up, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you've you've had you've you've made your roll, and I know when we play, it's you you pick up your successes and re-roll them. What about players who'd roll other dice that weren't the successes, the same number? I I do that all the time. Okay. Right, like I rolled five hits. Okay, mm-hmm. swipe those aside. Here's five dice. Roll them again. Now I know in my head, the odds are the exact same. <laughs> but oh. you know. It, I've never if, done that, so I never even considered doing that. I always, I always re-roll the ones that were successes. Yes. I find that to be uh, faster because they're right there. Because those are the ones you left on the table. I think it very much depends on what you're doing, right? If I'm if I'm one shotting something with a tank and I'm like I roll it and I roll it in the middle of the table, I'll throw another dice instead of picking that other dice up before I'm done. Does that make sense? Like. I think it probably is circumstantial, right? Most of the time, I'm probably rolling hits, pulling misses, rolling the hits. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's definitely circumstances where I've definitely rolled different dice. That, again, though, I, again, have a pool of singular types of dice. 
right? I have one pile of one kind of dice. So it's not like any one dice is different than the other. Is Why don't you have different colored dice? I... Why don't I have different colored dice? Yeah. Yeah. Are you asking? Are you asking facetiously? No, I'm no. serious question because I always have different dice for different weapons. I can roll them all in a pile. Yeah. Oh, so if oh, you have oh, different I, ranges and yeah, stuff like I, that, different, yes. you know, I, these I are, have reds are sorry. fours, blacks are fives. Yeah. I have a few other dice in my collection. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Most of the time, that, that's another that's another uh, speed of play thing too. There. Yep. For yeah. 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 Just yeah. Yes. Like if you're rolling an HE with your MMGs, yes, I have one that yeah. would be, I can pull one out that would be different than the other. Right. Or yes, the, I have a couple of the those. BARs that are at short range. In the... Yes. Most of my, most of my units and armies that I've played recently are very uniform, right? They're all using the same kinds of weapons and they all don't have mixing of types of weapons. They're all, they're all just gases. They're all gases. Everything is a gas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have 50 gases. Gases all the way down. You could probably fit uh, 30 gases if you didn't have any kind of platoon restrictions what are the, how much are they I just do an armored platoon with gases oh, multiple armored platoons of yeah gases. gases are expensive yeah they're pretty expensive. so uh, you might I, have to some you had a different to. question than Dale sounds like I didn't yeah. hit yours right but to I, I I guess I'm a mix to just um, to reply to what what was just brought up in you roll the dice, here are the hits, you re-roll the hits to see how many wounds you get. Um, it depends for me on how many dice I'm rolling. So if I'm rolling, if I just rolled the gas on and I shot 20 times, um, if um, if more than half of the dice were hits, then I'll, I'll push the misses away and re-roll the hits. If it was fewer, then I leave the hits where they are because you can always check to see, oh, yep, those were all hits for additional verification. Yeah. And then I'll scoop up some of the misses and re-roll them. It's just a matter of, you know, making sure that everything is visible and you can recheck and stuff like that. So I, I think that's in those scenarios where I'm rolling a lot of dice. That's kind of how I make that happen. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. All right. And it's just, it's just a function of, Everything being as visible and checkable for as long as possible. For well, as long as you don't have a set of dice that you're rolling to hits and a different set of dice that you're rolling to wounds. No, on. I don't. So. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. That's that's that would be again. That goes back to my point right. earlier. Right. The yes. Only, the, yes. Yeah. That's why I brought the only, it up. Yeah. The only time that I find myself rolling a dice, not one of the snafu dice, is when I've picked up an order dice and rolled it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that absolutely happens. <laughs> uh, when, when, you're hard, when you're playing a hardcore bolt action where you roll three order dice and you have to choose one of them as your order. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no thanks. Pass. Hard pass. The, um, um, the one thing... With, and as long as there's no points. Yeah, the one thing that I was, I was going to bring up um, was more to do with, um, you know, c- complaining about the results of your dice that you've rolled and stuff like that. This one is similar to that, but kind of in a different vein. And I don't... I'm not going to say that this is an example of poor etiquette, but I think this is something that you might have to be careful with. You're going to have to read the person that you're playing. If you're rooting for results on the dice that they're rolling, right? Right. Now you're going to foobar. Right. Yeah. I only did that twice and it worked. <laughs> so, um, Depends on your opponent. Right. right? I've, yeah. I've had two games that I've played where I've had and against two players that I know really well, and it was kind of a fun, joking kind of thing. But the first time right. that they were doing it, it, it kind of caught me off guard because it wasn't something that I had anticipated. And so, like when it actually happened, right? What, what, like they yeah. wave your wave their hand over it over where you right. So I'm I'm rolling once. up with a flamethrower, and they're hoping they're really hoping that I'm rolling a one. So they go one, roll one. 
<laughs> you know, and it's like, and you rolled a one. I think I, I did that time too. And yeah, you know, like, that sucks. But again, it's just it's it's one of those things where, or an example of kind of an etiquette thing where you might be used to playing a certain way, and that's just your culture or whatever the case may be. But whoever you're playing with might it it might not it may come across to them in a way that you hadn't anticipated. So I I don't know. What do you guys think as far as like? I, I I think that that's a very good point. I think that that is actually very challenging too. Like, I I mean, it's not challenging. Like, you shouldn't have to. You don't have to cheer for a result. You can be like, "Woof, you missed, sweet." Like, but I I I can. I've often probably said in the go for another test, like, "You can feel free to botch this one for me. It'd really be great." Yeah. Is that is that necessarily bad? I I don't I don't know. Does my opponent like, dude? What's wrong with you? I think it's dependent on your opponent. I think this comes down to. I mean, this is probably not well. Like, this is a very prevalent in our field. Yeah, this like, is a reading the room one to me. Yeah, yeah. This is like having empathy for your opponent. Right. It's 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 a bit challenging for many gamers because mm-hmm. they're not necessarily empathetic people in general. But well, well, we're keeping also score the, too. The same. I mean, right. The same. Yeah. Fair. The same amount of times, you know, they're, they're picking up their dice and you know they've now announced what they're going to do, and we've all all agreed on that, and I'll I'll say, all right, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll do that too. So, like. I, I have or, no problem. Be, be gentle to me. <laughs> all, when all the gas is pointed at my unit that didn't have an option whatever. to go down. All, but those are all different <laughs> things, right? Daddy. Those are different things, right? Like cheering for your opponent is different than cheering for a failure, right? Yes. Right? Like being like, like you know, it. I don't know. I, I struggle with what you're asking, Dale, because I do, I do think that there's a problem with it in some regard because I don't think that, that we should always be – we shouldn't be cheering for our opponents to be, to, to be failing. Right, we should outplay them, but we shouldn't necessarily depend on our, our opponents' failures, or that we you should know, be excited or cheering for them. But it so, gives you so an opportunity I, to win, right? I know, I know a lot of players that are like this. Uh, the opposite deal is where they're actually cheering on for you to do well and congratulating your dice rolls, and oh, that's fantastic! Wow, you really you really clobbered me. And those people have a tendency to always be winning the best sportsman awards. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, being being a cheerful loser is always a good thing, but being yeah. a cheerful winner is also a good thing. Sure. Um, I think it's it's there's I don't know, gracious gracious losing is hard, and that's an etiquette thing too. I don't think I've ever showed up at a tournament going, gosh, I hope I can pull up best sports. No, I mean, no. Unless that's like, not to say I'm I'm, a, I'm an ass when we're playing, but you know I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play tough. Well, and to be fair, most of the most of the tournaments that that's a big deal at or that we've been to before, like our history with other tournament scenes. There's always guys that show up are that are just over the top good people. So you're like, I'm never going to win sports if that guy shows up, right? Because he's always wins the sports awards because he's he's a kiss ass. Um, <laughs> I mean, he is the, the two that I'm talking about. They both actually one of them was really just a really kind guy. Like he's super nice. Uh, anyway, uh, needless to say, like sometimes you're like, yeah, you, your goal should never be to win the best sports. Yeah. No, that that's doesn't mean fine. You should be an asshole. Yeah. No, it's okay to try to and win best sports at a tournament. I, I, I think it is okay. I have zero opinion on this because I have never won a best sports, nor nor will I ever win a best sport. Whether I'm nice or an asshole does not matter. So I have zero I mean, opinion. Not when you bring a bunch of nubble workers. <laughs> yeah, but why would that matter? See, why does that matter for sportsmen? I, I, no, it doesn't. But people it, like, it oh, good. You know, so. Right. I, unfortunately, with sports scores, that well, player judge. We, we say... We say... Um, the sportsmanship award but what that really comes down to is 
um, favored opponent is kind of what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So. Yeah. Which is they are often similar enough, and I think that that works out for our for what we do. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, okay, so, so back to etiquette things so, about yeah. I was gonna of, say to, what, to pull back into the etiquette. One other thing that um, I've I've experienced in games, and it just it drives me nuts, is when your opponent has their book open and is reading it during the game not telling you what he's doing or looking oh. for just simply reading it it's like that first of all you're you're not paying attention to our game you're not giving me any you know any 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 uh any of your mental you know whatever you're being distracted in this game uh, or you're thinking i might have played something wrong or you played something wrong and you're checking you're checking the rules and you're not telling me what you're looking for so that you know i can understand the same thing you're just sitting there just thumbing through the book and i find that to be horribly distracting. Uh, that's super interesting to me um purely because if someone does that when i'm playing them i just don't give a fuck unless they were unless we're yeah. holding on their dice and they're like killing and they're wasting our game time wasting time and i could yeah, care less if they're looking in the book i just assume they don't know what they're doing and you know i'd rather just look as it long up. as yeah just <laughs> you're just announcing their intention and your intention and then keep moving yeah i'm okay with that one the only too. time i've ever uh, i'm I don't have a problem with it, and I, I'm actually probably guilty of this, but that's only because I'm trying to find something that is going to be in the future, not necessarily in the past. I'm not looking for, like, oh, you did something wrong, but I'm like, okay, All right. I really want to remember how Tink Or can, right? can I assault out of a building? <laughs> that's, right. that's usually what yeah, I'm saying. I mean, that's, yep. that's pretty, yeah, yeah. And, and you can. So. Right, but but what I'm saying is, like, I'm looking for something that is going to be, like... Okay, so you're, you're saying you don't want to tip your hand by saying, oh, I'm looking up how tank shocking works. Right, exactly, right. I'm not going to be like, I don't remember tanks. how tank shock works, but I also want to, like, you know, I'm like, I have, theoretically, have an opportunity to use can it. Can I do that? Um, can I do that? How does it work? Because I remember how it works because I don't do it. Yeah, so I had you one know. opponent who literally spent the entire game reading the book and never once said any reason why. That's so. that's That's just weird. That's, I mean that's, that's distracting, that's but it's but as long as he's it not, was distracting. If he's not slow playing, then I'm kind of like, well, whatever, you know. I'm, he's well, not he paying was attention. Up until time was called. See, oh, that's well. and that's different. If you're slow that's playing, different. it's like, right, get your face out of the book he, and let's play the game. Was he a new player? Newish yes. player? Okay, yes, relatively well, that, that, new. Yeah, that I mean that's a the challenge. Pandemic itself. started. Did you? Uh, sure. So here's an etiquette question: Did you ask him what he was looking up? Yes. Oh, okay. I said, "Is there something something I can help?" I I know the book pretty well. He's like, no. Yeah, that's that's just okay. uh, that's just a new player trying to read the book. Yeah, like I get well, during I get a, during a tournament game is not the time to to, re- to learn. Probably the not theoretically. The best time, no. Theoretically, you're right. Um, but maybe that's his only hobby time. So he's gonna like he's doubling down. Um, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Maybe he'd learn the rules better by just playing the game. I have no idea. It's weird. I but agree with you. But like looking up a, a rule in the game. I don't think is a problem. Reading a book the entire game is a different problem. Yeah. Like that's a different right. thing. That's that's that comes down to not reading the room a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh, I have no problem. Again, if my if my opponent wants to look something up and they don't want to tell me what it is, that's that that's fine. I guess I, I'm going to tell them the next time. I was like, oh, how do I reman a transport? Do yeah. you ever ask you, me? During short answer: You don't. <laughs> no, but I really want to know how to do it. Actually, I think I had an opponent do that at WCC. I had an opponent do it at the thing, and then he moved the transport the same turn. Just, oh, that's a no-no. That's you that's can't a do big that. No-no. Yeah, it was like round. This is like the sixth turn of the game, and he was already winning, so I didn't say anything. But it's like, fuck off, dude. <laughs> I don't want to play I was that. Too, I was too tired to care at that point. Okay, um, here's another etiquette thing that I think is a challenge. Um, 
when you lose a game, you need to be a gracious loser. You need to be like, good game. Uh, I think the challenge that I have is like always being like, well, if I did these three things, I would have won the game. Or if, you know, if I'd rolled a six here, I would have won the game. You know, giving your opponent the, the fact that they won the game. You know, it's, yeah, don't it's, don't cheapen their victory. Right. It's yeah, it definitely cheapens their victory if you say I could have done this and won the game. Oh, like, if I'd only done that, I would have beat you. It's like, well, <sighs> well, you didn't do that. It right. didn't happen, and I won. Right. I, I'll go you back can and reflect say, on that yourself with your buddies later. Absolutely. And, and I'm guilty of this to some degree. I I will say that the one that I have been recently bitching about, I actually would have won the game because it was actually a rules problem, but. Ah, that's Ooh. a different thing. We're but not I going still back think... to that right now. I'm, no, I'm no, 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 no. No, we don't need to talk about it. But I'm just saying, like, theoretically, you should always be like, dude, you got me. Good game. Like, you know, you don't need to. You can dwell privately and write that shit down so you don't do it the next time. Right. You can you can analyze the shit out of it yourself. But you shouldn't. Again, depending on your opponent. Right. If I know my opponent, and we want to talk about the game and what we could have done differently. That's a different thing. But if you're at a tournament that you don't barely don't you you do or don't know this person very well, but you know that they're you know analyzing the game that way is not always beneficial to your to your sportsmanship score, so to speak. I don't. Know. Anyone else agree with that or no? I mean, no. Yes, yes and no. Wait. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Sometimes I'm, the best way to unpack a game is to sit there once the result and the game is done as you put your models away I think it's pretty common to kind of discuss Have a, little a little bit but there, there's a way to ask well shoot what do you think went wrong with it over here and and most players especially the ones that are really good are happy to give give their thoughts and things like that but that's a different that's different from 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 at the end of the game going well if I just if this had done different, especially if it's a, if it's a dice result, you know, if I had just yeah, rolled maybe, this yeah. instead, then I I would have kicked your ass. I mean, that's that's a little bit different what you're talking about. But yeah, if someone had done that, it'd be like, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, good luck I mean, next time with okay. that. <laughs> so, but that's different than sitting there and discussing. Well, how do you think this the left flank went and those kinds of things? So, yeah, I, and and that's actually a good point. Is like how you discuss it is very different. Right, you're talking from a more humble perspective than a like a declarative. I I should have just done this and I would have won type thing is very different from a, right. If you just got your man, ass beat if, if done this and you're game. trying to find a way to walk away from the table, um, feeling like you were the better player, that may not be the best way to do it. Yeah, that's I, and and that's definitely I've, I've definitely <laughs> seen that and experienced that. So it's kind sure. of like a, I I always find it interesting when you're you know you turn first of all turn in the results yes before you do any of yes, this that's the, to help be the friendly to your to yes for sure get him the results as quick as possible so you can process that stuff and then while you're packing up i always find it interesting when like the opponent's buddy comes over is like well how'd it go and then hear their his take. interpretation yeah. as he tells his buddy what how things went and what things and to hear that is i always find somewhat interesting yeah. more interesting when i have one but less interesting when he is one yeah, um, but that's you know winning. Let's face it, winning is more fun than losing. I, I got to be honest. Absolutely, yes, typically. Although I although mean, some of the best games both actually I had, I, I've lost. So they're usually coming down to yeah. being super yep. tight games, and that's yep. yeah, it's like it's the edge of the edge of the knife, one way or the other. Somebody's going to win or lose. So, so uh, I'm going to add here, and this is this is me and why I don't win best sportsman's awards. Um, when I finish a game and my opponents like. It has won. You know, I've lost the game. My opponent's won. And he's like, man, if you had just done this, you'd have been so much better. 
I don't. Yeah, you have to be careful right. from that side. Yeah, being patronizing to your your losing opponent. Right. Like it's yeah. like, dude, I know you pushed my shit in here. Like I don't need a play by play of like everything that went wrong from here. How you would have played the army so much better, right? It's like if I ask you, what do you think I could have done better? That's different. But like the unsolicited, you know, God, if you you, you were silly not to do this, it's like you know. Just take your win and walk off, dude. Yeah, I mean, it, again, depends on your opponent, whether or not you know but them well or not. Read, reading the room, yeah, it comes it comes down to a lot of, of that, doesn't it? Like, yeah, recognizing what your opponent's going to tolerate and what they want. To hear. I might be bad at that, actually. Now that I think about it, like I, I might I be, that, I might have just yeah. won, and I can see that the the guy across the table might be a little bit objective or dejected and I might be like man you know what if if this had worked out differently over here it would have been a completely different result I think I'm kind of guilty of that so I should probably work on that you know it's it's and I think it's more than like you know because I've won games and like well like you know that that fight over you know at least this three unit fight over here really kind of decided the game mm-hmm. like yeah yeah it did is different than like you know if you'd have moved this tank up this way more aggressively you would have won instead you know, of what you instead did instead of what yeah, you yeah. did yeah, oh, that's yeah. kind of like okay. all right. That's that's different, right? If like, yeah, it really sucks. You foobard that thing. Like that's you know that really was a, that that cost you the game. Yeah. Is different than if you had done this thing differently. Right. Yeah, I I I, I can see that because I think you're you're you you're what you do, Dale. I played against you plenty of times, and we've had conversations after every game, and I think you do a really good job of this. Where you're like, you know, you don't get so so. Uh, so analytical like to the to that level mm-hmm. right you said if your left flank had held up better you know things would have changed you know that's a different than being like well if right. you move this unit differently okay. like that's that's you know what i'm saying like that's that's not as play by play and more like there, yeah. okay yeah. well you yeah. know what if you had played better you probably would have won. yeah if you'd roll more sixes <laughs> of course you would have <laughs> right. won. like that's yeah like i've definitely had opponents be like dude your dice sucked all right and i've done yeah. that to my opponents who like yeah your dice really failed you man yeah. like you know that that shit happens and that's not that's not questioning the capabilities of your opponent, right. right? That's kind of what Jeff is getting at. It's like definitely had, you know, almost, you know, something that makes you sound like you, you could have done it better if you played it the way I would have played it. Yeah. Oh, sure. That's, okay. That's different. You know, that's just a different feeling. I think that that makes a big difference in how people would pr- receive it, right? Yes. A lot of it is in how you send the message. How's that sound? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. It also depends if you bought him a beer first or not. It, that doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt um, no, if you're no, no. if you're in buying for if you're buying for best sports, buying your opponent that you just beat a beer usually <laughs> helps a little bit. Uh, it usually makes them remember you fondly, or or forget you, which is what you might want. That works too. Um, yeah. Yes, and yeah, any one of those things. Um, you can gladly buy me a beer anytime because I will be losing to lots of you. Right. That's uh, that's I'll all it's going to take to get Rick's best sport vote. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I usually one, one, a good one will too. get you to to place your show, and two will get you to win. Yeah, well, hey, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not into buying my votes. I definitely like. You usually can always go into a tournament and like get to the end, and I can analyze all the games I played. I'm like, that's definitely the game that was the most fun. You know, I had a good time playing this game. It's usually pretty easy to figure that out. Yeah. So, all right, to shift gears a little bit, I remember Jeff, you had mentioned something last episode about your game with Alistair and how he told you to get your shit off the table or something. Not, I mean, the, the politer version <laughs> of that. The much politer version of that, yeah, was keep yes. a clean table. 
please keep, keep a clean, clean table. table. Yeah. yeah. So to me, and we talked about templates and you know tape measures and stuff, and but I think coming up to the table and uh, and putting your non-deployed units out on the table, and then start deploying from those in the center, I yeah. I feel is relatively poor form. And I know there's a lot of tournaments where there's no space to set yourself. So hard when it comes to that. But yes, I, I. But I would almost prefer, and I and I hate doing this, but to set them on the floor or on your chair Ooh. and move them from there. This is this is a good. This reason is something why I having do a display for sure, table. So. Yeah, like this is a good reason to have a display board. Is right. So yeah. you put it on the chair. You can have your units. You can go over what's being deployed and what's being reserved. Yeah. Like you and you can separate them on your display board if it's a you know make sure it's a little bit bigger than your army and just push them apart. Or put your order dice or some or an indicator next to what's staying yeah, in right, reserve. Right, something. But I I agree. I've definitely had tournament games like or games where I'm just like, is that deployed or is it not deployed? Right. Like I don't understand what's going on here, but it gets you confused really quick if you're not paying attention well yeah. enough. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yep. And it's particularly bad with horde armies where like there's yes a hundred infantry that all look the same. Like yep. I had a dude yep. loses. Yep. Lieutenant- I had a dude loses one of his lieutenants once in the middle of a game. And, and he couldn't find him for like five minutes. He's like, "Where's my third lieutenant?" And I was like, "Shit, I don't know. They all look the same to me, man." He's your lieutenant. Right? Yeah, he's your guy, not mine. I don't know what to look for. You know, I got no idea uh, where he is. Yeah, I think it's 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 just very good common practice to not have stuff that's not on the table on the table is usually like when it can be avoided. Right. Another another good practice thing too, uh, and this this might would have probably helped uh, your your guy find his lieutenant is on. So I usually always do when I when I finish the model, I always do the the vertical surface of the base. I paint it in black, and then yep. I have a, a white paint pen, and on the back side, which is usually facing me, I'll write like a Roman numeral of which unit they're mm-hmm. in, and then also mark if they're an NCO or if they're a lieutenant on the back of them, which is you know the side that I'm usually looking at. Right. I mean, I like I like that system. You know, it helps you keep track of stuff, but. I, my problem is is that I end up like next army will be like oh there's ten guys in this unit now and now I gotta like remark all that stuff I don't know that that's well I only do it for tournaments for, for a tournament and it doesn't army, take sure. a whole lot to to go back and you know Paint put over it, black over it, uh, and yeah. sure. it, it really I, I get I you're talking to me <laughs> I get around just, that tag because <laughs> I just use I use character models for my lieutenant so they really stick out yeah, mm. yeah. like okay. this last tournament it was Captain K and you know the Heidi, the female lieutenant model, and one other one. So it was really sure. clear what my lieutenants were. Yeah, all, all my lieutenants have the same pose from the sprue. That works too. So usually it's the the guy like like down in a crouch, and I usually have them. They have binoculars in one hand. Mm-hmm. Sure. Those are those are always my my NCOs, and then the lieutenants are an entirely different model altogether. Yeah. So it's all of these things are very important, and I think it gets back to the fact that like understanding your army. Like, there's lots of people, like, I've painted these last week. I don't know what the heck I'm doing at a tournament. I guess depending on the tournament, like, losing your NCOs should not happen. Losing your lieutenant, doubly right. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, more LTs than NCOs because I've, I've lost millions of NCOs. Yep. Uh, but I, that's something you learn with time, right? Like, is figuring out how to make your, your NCOs and your LTs stand yes. out. Um, and if they, if they don't stand out to you, there's not a chance in hell your opponent's oh, going no. to. So get so get some of those little markers like the NCO killed thing when you do lose them. That that goes a long yeah. ways. Tokens are great. Yeah. I think yeah. my theory in the yeah. future is if someone says, "Oh, where's my lieutenant? I can't find him." I'm just gonna be like, "Oh, he must have died." Sorry. 
Yeah, he pull, must have removed. He must have died. He moved with an infantry yeah. squad for two turns. He's dead. Pull the pull the dice. Yeah, that's a, again very much depends on the turn of me. Oh, so you said order. Here Ooh. we go. Here here's one that came up in a conversation I had in a different group. Um, so all the order dice are allegedly in the bag. The turn started. You're pulling dice, and all of a sudden they find quote unquote an order dice off of the table. What do you do with that one? Oh, okay. This is going to get into a different topic that I had that I'd come up or just thought about. But um, again, I think this depends on the, the tournament, right? To, like, is this fully competitive or is this more friendly? You know, like they left a they left a dice over yep. by their tank that's away from everything else, right? Or they left a reserve unit dice on the on in yeah. The... Some it got left out of the bag. You presume it's unintentional and it's a mistake, mm-hmm. right? But what should you be doing with that dice? So, I, I mean, there's no answer to it specifically, right? There's nothing in the book that tells you what you're supposed to do. No, or in there's like not. a tournament pack or in a, in a referee pack or any of those things doesn't have an answer to this. Which reminds me, I do, I do have an answer to that. Um, we can't talk about it now, but I will be adding it to my pack when we can talk about it. Sweet, right up. Okay. Um, I, again, this, I think, comes down to, again, I, to me, this comes down to the tournament. It comes down to your opponent. Like, you know what? Yeah, you probably should have picked up that dice. It's very obvious that you just forgot about it. But the turn's already started, and in my mind, is like, as soon as all the dice are in, all the dice here, yes. How many, only how come many, out. How many dice, dice only in? come out. How yeah, many I've dice always are done, in? I've always done a, okay, count, you know, I've got this many in my hand, minus my, you know, I started with 14, there's four over there, I have 10, do the same thing to the opponent, put them in the bag, boom. Typically, what I do at the start of a round, but that doesn't mean everybody does right. it. Um, this definitely came up in one of the games that I had with an opponent at WTC. Um, we both forgot to put our reserve dice back in the bag after the first round, and so we both we were like, "Well, we both forgot it. Let's just throw them in." Um, I don't know what the right answer is. To this because it's, it's actually very challenging because because it. It does impact the game, but I would I would personally throw the dice back in. Yeah, well, I would I would you know like I look at it okay. So my opponent did it, but what happened if I did? Yep. What would I want the result to be if I did it? Right, that's the way I look mm-hmm. at it. Is like okay, whatever I would want is what I'm going to give my opponent. Right, because in the in in theory, like if it ever happened again, I would hope that it goes the way I want it to, and it was in my way, in my yeah. favor. You know, I I generally love the school of uh, like okay, that sucks. Yeah, you missed it. Throw it in the bag. Now we'll keep playing. That being said, if we get to the end of the round and he comes up one dice long. (laughs) That's a very different challenge, yes. Yeah. Yep. I don't don't know how to resolve that. I think the best way to do it is that in between rounds, and this is part of the cleanup, is you you state how many order dice you started with, and you're keeping your order dice lost in a common spot because those are usually secondary or have some value. In most in most uh, games, and even if they don't, it's it helps you remember. Yeah, like it gives you your count. Yep, and and make sure your count between the dice in your hand and your dice over there are the same. Do the same for your opponent. It can't take more than thirty seconds to do. Totally worth it. That should that should be the the, the way you do that. So, not to bring up WTC. In my again. humble opinion. So I had an opponent be like, I can't find a dice for this unit. It must have been this one that I. They, they, we thought you killed, put it back in the dice, and it ended up being one dice long at the end of the of the round. <laughs> I was like, 
I didn't. Nope. I was like, I don't. Uh, I was very, I was very kind of like, huh? Uh, shit. Now what are we gonna do about this? And then I was kind of like, fuck it, we're just gonna keep moving. But I also like realized that that's that was kind of a. That's a cheeky move. I don't think it was intentional. I honestly don't think it was intentional. Like it was, it was a. Uh, and and we had just again we had discussed it before. Like I think this was the dice. Put it back in the bag. Like you know, like we we both kind of agreed to the be to the to the first step. Um, so I guess it was a little different, but it was still like at the end it was like, huh, that doesn't feel good. Um, but at the end of the day, it probably didn't change the outcome of that particular game. But I don't know the answer to that question because I don't know what I should have done there. I should have probably done something well it's hard to do anything after the fact yeah well right but when you when that happens at the end of a round if you you know if dice were not being you know properly counted. i mean i mean that's well we solved the, the mystery of the missing dice <laughs> it's yeah, like that was really what it came down like hey there it is all yeah, right okay yeah. uh, that's kind of weird you had an extra dice you know, in the bag, i but mean right. but it's you know i, I it's I, this, it's one of those things I don't know. I, I think I would laugh it off in most contexts that are right. a serious competitive tournament. And if it happened twice, well, then I'd be like, then we are going to be in a different. That's world. a trend. Yes, so, I, yeah, that's yeah, that's a different that's a different problem. Yeah. Again, there was I don't think there was any ill intent. It just happened, right? It was just like, oh, well, that that was the thing, and we moved on. In hindsight, it's like, oh, that's kind of that that skews things a little bit. Yeah. In, in that opponent's favor, for sure. But always, I always assume ignorance over right. malice. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, and again, I having played him, I felt like that was just it was it was there was no maliciousness there for yes. sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think this plays a big part of understanding the tournament that you're into. Um, this I think this kind of reads into the next part in here, which is how to be a competitive player at a friendly event. And I think one part of that can be like if depends on how friendly it is but sometimes do-overs happen right or like oops a daisies happen and that's you know that's that's different at a high level event versus a low level event Mm -hmm. in my opinion right like i don't let my i don't let my opponent like change what they're doing if they've like oh i'm like if they've measured right or if they move models then, then we're going to kind of stay with whatever happened. But there's definitely instances where you're like, I'm going to run. No, I'm going to actually ad- advance and shoot, right? Like, you know, there's no there's no hard-nosedness to that in a friendly sure. event. And I think that, I, I mean, that's my personal mm-hmm. belief, right? Is like, okay, well, that's fine. You didn't measure it. I don't care. There are definitely players of the mind that's like, well, you said you were going to run. You're going to run mm-hmm. now. And I, I, I've never been that player. Maybe that's why I suck, but... Um, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm I'm willing to. In a friendly event, you're trying to be friendly with your opponent, which means you're trying to play a game together versus trying to beat your opponents. But you're still trying to win, but you're not. That, you know, that, that, that's a key distinction there, Rick. You're trying to play a game together as opposed to just attempting to crush yes. them. Right, right. Well, well, you're still trying to win, but you're trying to play a game with your opponent. Whereas yeah. I think at a high level event, the expectation is that you're going to try and beat each other, and that's still the same game, but it's just a different mentality. I, I agree. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Um, so how do you be a competitive player at a friendly event, Dale? What? <laughs> how do I... I mean, I probably ask... Oh, how do I be a competitive be a com- player at a friendly event? Um, uh, bring a list um, that um, is within the rules 
as stated in within the pack. Um, so don't cheat when you bring your list. Um, <laughs> That's try even. to yeah. try to gauge the tone of the event. So, for example, there's apparently a huggy, huggy, kissy, kissy Care Bear event coming up. Um, and she's who's <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so instead of um, iterating on a WTC list for 2023, um, you should probably do something completely different. But um, that doesn't mean that you still can't do some iterating on different kinds of units, but maybe just not all of them at the same time. Um, but most importantly, um, just make sure that you're playing by the rules of the game and the rules of the pack. Um, and um, and encourage everyone else at the table to do the same thing. Um, and then just let everything just kind of play out and, and have some fun with it. Um, and the competitiveness that you're doing in that kind of a scenario from a friendly within a friendly tournament, it's it's not about winning games. It's about all right. So I've got these three units here, and I want to do some, you know, mobile infantry support. So how can I, how can I position these and advance in waves? Or you know, you're just trying to work out tactics um, on the tabletop. So, so you're saying treat it like it's a practice. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, yeah. As a competitive player, as, as I imagine that the top players that go to like the WTC. They're 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 finding a way to make every game a practice game. So yeah, fair. I mean, that's yeah. Every tournament is a lead up to the yeah. next tournament, right? So it's not like that's that's actually not, it's not to that's actually a much more concise way to put it, Rick. Well done. Hey, I'm, I'm good for yeah. something. Blind squirrel finds an or a, a, a broken clock straight twice a day, something like that. Yeah, blind, blind squirrels find nuts every once in a while. Yeah, that's that's the one I was going to say. Blind squirrels right twice a day. <laughs> Yes, that's, that's, <laughs> that is the correct thing. Uh, does, that, does that mean so, the clock finds nuts too? I, I think another distinction in a friendly event is which, again, friendly events typically bring in players that are a little newer to the game or maybe don't necessarily have the same level of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't know the rule book in and out typically. Mm-hmm. Not many people do have the knowledge that Pat does. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, are you willing to help your opponent understand things better? Like, I think that that's an, another distinction. Like, I'm not yeah. necessarily willing to help so, my opponent in a WTC level event, but I would definitely help myself help my opponent in a friendly game when I when it. That's relevant. actually an interesting point. I, I've only ever won best sportsman once, and that was the very first North Star that that I went to, and I ended up winning it um, mostly because while it was a competitive event and I was a competitive player, I wasn't trying to win overall. I was just trying to okay. see how it worked out. And I spent quite a bit of my time in the games that I played talking to my opponents, and we were talking about, oh, what's the best move here? And um, and so maybe as a competitive player, that is a really good approach at a friendly event. It's to just it's just yeah. a table talk with your opponent and, and, you know, see crazy shit happen. So those are fun games. Yeah. I, and, then like, and I think that makes you, as a competitive player, that actually would be having helping i don't think it should be unsolicited but if you're if your opponent wants help understanding what's the optimal choice like as a competitive player that's actually beneficial to you right, right. That, because yep, that was actually that was actually was right because that. because yeah. that's what your opponent in a, in a high level event is going to do here's what my you know here's what an opponent well, at, a, at wtc would do well see like I for me um i've i always um 
my philosophy is it's it's better it's better to ask the right questions to help the person to help a person get to a better place than it is to tell them how to get there and so and so instead of like well here's the optimal and instead of like directly pointing out what might be the optimal choice just kind of walk them through it a little bit and like nudge them kind of you know because it's like i said um discovery is is always better than um discovery is always better than just you know saying what it is right telling them sure I, I think, and again, in a in a in a in a tournament scenario where you might be time limited, sometimes discovery would be lovely, but not necessarily capable. Sure. I, yeah. I mean, maybe in which you're not going to offer that yep, much that's help. Fair. But you know, there's definitely times you'd be like, well, it's either this unit or your sniper. You know, like you got, you know, these both are pretty good choices. I'm not sure which one of them's better than the other, right? I might give, I might narrow mm-hmm, it down, mm-hmm. right? Like help them. I, I've, I, I've done the well. I could tell you after the game. Yeah, sure. You You've done that choose. to me before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of ways to handling it. I think it's just it's just another mindset but to have I, in a I, friendly I think, event. I think if you're so wrapping, kind of putting a summary on this is uh, the competitive player at a friendly game is considering this as a, a practice for himself. So it's his in his best interest to have the opponents making good competitive choices against him and helping them learn the game at the same at the same time because as you mentioned these are generally more towards people who are uh, a little less sure about the the competitive nature of tournaments and you know might be newer to the game and might you know just and that, and I think that kind of helps them learn the game as well. Well, I mean and and I kind of even I'm even going back and thinking about this a friendly player, right? It's it's they're just two different mindsets, right? Like I'm going to a tournament to have fun versus going to a tournament to win it, right? There's just two different mindsets. Now, like, a competitive player can go to a friendly event and be like, I'm just coming here to have fun and learn, you know, like, figure out my army or whatever, right? I just think it's, yeah. I just, I'm cautious of the new the new mentality because there's definitely tournaments where, you know, guys have played bolt action longer than me, but they're definitely more in the friendly category than they are in the, in the uh, competitive mm-hmm. side, so. Yeah, friendly tournaments are a great spot to try out new armies or new yep. elements of an army that you're doing as a competitive player. I think that's a that's an interesting challenge to some competitive players that are really good. Um, I know John will often take new armies. Uh, John Stentz, the person we've talked about a million times, will take a new army to a more friendly event so that he has at least some less competitive advantage. He's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's, he's, he's learning a new army. He's getting an opportunity to play it. He's having fun, but he's also maybe not... You know the shoe in to win it all. He's not going to play a hundred points down on his list. Though. No, 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 no. For sure not. Why would you do that? That's that's like patronizing. You don't want to be patronizing. And right. I, right. I, I, I guess the the important thing. Well, no, that's not fair. That's not right. Um, something to consider um, if you're going to a friendly tournament where competitive players show up. Um, just. In the event that they play competitively, um, that's okay. It may not be completely to the objective, but um, I feel like, and, and, and on Facebook and maybe even a little bit in our Discord, there's been some back and forth. I, I believe that there is room at friendly tournaments for competitive players in the same way that there is room for friendly players at competitive tournaments. So we just... Um, as players, whether you're on one side or the other, or sometimes the both, um, I think we're not doing as good as we could. Um, 
at playing nice with the someone on the other side, whether whether you're a competitive player with being with someone friendly and you're just trying to kick their ass where maybe that's not the most appropriate thing. Or you're a friendly player and you're at a competitive tournament and you're getting your ass beat and you're being really sour about the whole experience because maybe you weren't prepared. Um, and so I think that's kind of why we're talking about this a little bit. And I know we're going to dive into the other yeah. thing. But, you know, it's – it it's um, – you know, if if a competitive player shows up at the friendly tournament and, you know, starts curb stomping everyone, well, you know, let the TO kind of deal with that and don't – right, and, sure. and do your best. Yeah, it's absolutely the TO's job, especially at the list reviewing stage. Right, and, and do your best then to yeah. to not let let that kind of get in the way of you playing to whatever your objective was at the tournament which might have meant just to have as many great games as you could. So, yeah. Right. I think that's, I mean, we're probably all over the place here, guys, but there's like all of these nuggets are probably worth mentioning. Like you just like understanding as holistically we're talking about all of it. But um, so then inversely, how do you be a friendly player at a competitive event? Uh, I think, I think there's just a different mindset, but I also think everybody should be friendly at a competitive event. In between sure. rounds, sure. You can be friendly during the game and not be like. To me, there's a difference between being a nice person, like being friendly, like knowing the person across the table's name, and you know, not burying your face in a book the entire game, is being a friendly player, right? Being someone that's encouraged, like actively engaged in the game, and is you know paying attention, is a friendly player, right? Do I need to let you have take backsies and you know do things that you shouldn't be able to do in a game? No, absolutely not. We're going to follow the rules in a competitive event. You know, I, I think there's opportunity for you to be friendly and still competitive. Like, yeah, I think back to, you know, and most recently, obviously, the WTC is still fresh wounds. I mean, fresh in my mind. Um, <laughs> the game I had with, with, with uh, Benny, for the, with the Denmark 1 guys, which was a spectacular game. And we were both very friendly, and we enjoyed the game thoroughly. Uh, and there's, like, he kept moving his, his howitzers in this one spot and then put them in an ambush. And I'm like... What do you think you're doing with those? He just looked at me. He's like, you know, I have no idea. I should probably come up with a plan for that, shouldn't I? And just, just those little quibs in between actions and order dice kind of help keep the the tone more friendly, right? And I think overall made the game more enjoyable. Although we were both very competitive and played very competitively all through the game, so just those little things in between order dice made that feel more friendly while we're still being competitive. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Right. One is not mutually exclusive from the other in this case. Like, and, it, and, and quite honestly, the other way is very true, too. Like you said, you can be a competitive player at a friendly event and still be friendly. You're maybe not bringing the hardest list, or you are bringing the hardest list and have an expectation that that's just what it is. I think one of the things is being as a friendly player and going is like, so to me, this is all about expectations, right? Being a friendly player going to a competitive event your expectation is you're not going to do well, right? You're not going to necessarily win all your games. You're not going to be like, they're going to be hard fought games. Hopefully you're not just going to get your butt kicked in, but there are going to be the games where maybe that does happen. You have to expect that as a friendly player, bringing your maybe softer list, have an expectation that these more experienced players might kick your butt, right? Again, expectation is that you're not going to. So you brought your grease army. Right, or you brought your Norway army. 
You're right. You're right. You're Norwegian. So. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, the expectation should not be that you're going to win the event. And I think that's just, I mean. Hey, but great if you do. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations if you do and you beat a bunch of competitive players. And that's totally fine, too. Um, I, I think there's just that challenge. Like, there's a definitely mentality of very softer lists or theatery lists or very themed lists that don't necessarily do well at a competitive event. And I think your expectation should be like, not everyone's going to bring that theme you list, especially in a competitive event, right? You're going to see st- way harder stuff than you probably are expecting. You'll probably see some stewards. No, you you will see some stewards. <laughs> it's not it's not a, it's not a. It's just a question of how many dozen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I, you know, that's that's what it comes down to is like you can go have a good time. Your opponents should be good to you, but you know, don't expect to win a whole lot which is fine like it's totally fine you're you know as a friendly player you're probably learning quite a bit right you're you will learn from more competitive players right if you want to become more competitive go play against people that are better than you that's kind of the old mentality here's a here's a here's a way weird gauge i go by uh when we're at competitive tournaments i I gauge the friendliness based on the next year i go and those people who before the tournament starts or anything come and strike up a conversation you know, hey, we played last year. Oh, yeah, I remember how you know. And it's like, I think building that friendship is a different element from competitive tournaments. Absolutely. Yes. I, and again, you can do that at a competitive tournament. There's nothing saying that that yeah, won't happen. Absolutely. Right? And that's what I'm talking about is, you know, the, at the competitive tournament oh, that you right, right. do build a friendship that you then, you know, you go back to a different tournament or you see them in a different tournament and they're like, hey, how's it going? You know, all this stuff. And they're right. willing to engage you rather than just like, oh, that guy. Stay away from him, you know. <laughs> Just put your head down. <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Um, that's why marking each game and writing about it and who you played is a big deal because you can review that. So when you see them the next year, you're going to remember who they were and right. Oh, are you playing your Soviets again? Yeah. Or, so. uh, yeah. Bring uh, some new. Moved, or you haven't moved off those body yeah. armor things yet? Come on, what are you thinking? And it, and and honestly, in a competitive, it, that's almost kind of some advantage is like gaining knowledge on you know maybe future opponents. You know, having some understanding of what other people have brought plays a big role mm-hmm. in it. Like, there's definitely tournaments where people walk around and look at all the armies and understand them before they're starting to play. I'm not one of those people, but I've definitely seen people do it. See what the new biggest cheese is. I don't think there's a new cheese at this stage in the development of second. I mean, edition. by your guys' standard, then the spearmen are new cheese again. Mm. The rule change only that didn't really do anything. I'm not gonna lie. People bring Japanese either way. Yeah, well, no, it was it was interesting if you if you heard some of the breakdown. Uh, I think that was uh, Bo and Russ Wright did a, a nice breakdown. If you catch that on YouTube about how all the different nations did uh, at the the WTC, that was really good. If you guys get a chance hmm. to, to to listen to That's that, one, one of the few that I haven't. It was really good. Okay. It's really good. And, and well, of course, Russ is breaking down. He's got an Excel spreadsheet. He's breaking down. You know stats and this and that and while he's doing that I'm like messaging him I'm like can I get that spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> everyone please get us to us I would love I love the stats and numbers you already did the work I'd love to go through and see all that breakdown right. it's that, nice I like else. that yeah. I, I, I like kind of like geek out about numbers So you know. I like it when someone else has already made it all into like a visual data chart so I can just look at the chart and understand it mm-hmm. oh like, like uh, was, it, was it Ryan that did that yes. too Ryan did that, yep. that was, yeah. I was awesome yeah. and he also did a couple of videos on that too so you guys should check those out too as very well nice and broken down from an outsider's mm-hmm. perspective since obviously he wasn't there 
I would love to see more of that for other tournaments. Like WTC isn't the only tournament in the world, right? Like there's definitely other tournaments that that would be very w- that much analytics. WTC is the outlier tournament for tournaments, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see that for LVO or uh, if Adepticon gets big enough, like all that would be fun. Right on. Well, and I think it comes down to the tournament has to publish the list so that they can. That's the challenge. Break it down. Yeah, good point, actually, because and then also publishing changes. the results, yeah. which is which is huge. Which you know, I know we did. We talked about uh, running tournaments a few episodes ago, but that's if we hadn't said it, that's that's a huge thing for the, the uh, to show the play, your appreciation to your players as a tournament organizer. You should make all those results and list public for them. Because gone is the day of, you know, your opponent hands you a list at the table and you get to take it home with you. I I find more often than not that between rounds that guy's walking back to grab you. He's like, that's my only copy. He's like, what the heck? Yeah, I I definitely print. I normally print lists for my opponent at every tournament. Still, that's just old school, I think. Uh, Uh, And let let me caveat that. Give them a very clear, legible list. Well, yeah, there's that too. No, That's man, you printed it in Excel with microfiche and parts of it are blacked out. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> and, par- and partially only. And partially only. That's right, yeah. And here, yeah. and here, you have to make a 30-second decision on how you're going to attack yeah. this list. All right, all right, all right. No, right. Back yeah. off the okay. WTC thing. I, I will say, uh, to that point, Pat, one of my favorite things is there was a particular uh, Wapaka we talked about a million times, um, where they would print the results sheets off so we could take them home in the car when we drove home four and a half mile or four and a half hours or whatever it was that was my favorite thing in the whole wide world is like we'd get a we'd get a copy for the car so we could all look at how we did and all the different scoring metric or like metrics and mm-hmm. shit like someone always get upset about something so like they missed a point on my paint scores or something yeah the paint scores were pretty controversial back in the day for sure uh but but that was nice like being able to see your results was always fun so do that as a TO. Um, I don't have anything else to add. I think uh, as a friendly player, you should not be afraid afraid to attend a competitive event. It's just something to consider, right? Don't expect to win it. But by all means, go and learn and have fun because you still can have fun. Yeah, everyone agree with that? Or do you think friendly players should stay out of competitive events? No, um... (laughs) <laughs> that's a difficult um, blanket statement. I mean, that's probably too far, but right. yes. Um, if you're a, a friendly player, and by friendly we're 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 talking about um, competitive players can be friendly, and friendly players can be competitive. But <clears throat> competitive players typically are well. Every at this point, everyone should understand what the difference is. Um, if if you're a friendly player and not necessarily interested in the top level pushing your ability and the ability of your list to the max, et cetera, et cetera, um, should you not be interested um, in events that cater to that style of play? Um, no, there's no reason why anybody can't go to anything. Um, but um, you should be... Um, you should, in the same way that competitive players who like to play that way, if they're attending a tournament, um, they should change or update their objectives. Um, do the same thing for this tournament. Um, but if you really, if if that style of play really isn't for you, then you might not want to go to those kinds of tournaments. Um, but if you if you maybe want to challenge yourself a little bit and and um, and see and see how those things go, yeah, um, come along. Um, you might surprise yourself with how good you are, and and you know, 
the the gap between the best players who are playing playing on that edge and a friendly player who knows the rules and has played a, a fair number of games isn't as great as you might be as you might be afraid of. So that's my that's right. what I think. Berta, I it's an interesting conversation. I <coughs> I hope nobody's turned off by what we're talking about. Um, and we we talked about etiquette. If if you struggle with etiquette. Yep. Um, like if if you complain about your dice, um, then which is th- then maybe don't maybe turn maybe uh, competitive tournaments aren't for you because it's really easy when things aren't going your way for whatever reason if the dice um, don't if they start swinging away from you <clears throat> and and then you start complaining that's that can be a rough game at that point in time, especially if you're playing against a really good player who's just going to turn on any mistakes that you make. And then you're, t- then you're not having a good time. But the idea is, is you can have a good time as a friendly player at a competitive tournament if you prepare yourself. In the same way that you, as a competitive player, can have a good time in a friendly event and not ruin other people's days. So that's, that's the objective. Yeah, that's a good call. Um... Yeah, I don't. I think we've covered that pretty much through all of that, and probably both sides of it. Yeah, too. just yeah. just remember the lessons you learned in kindergarten. You know, let's grow the fuck up and 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 <laughs> that's what my kindergarten teacher said and, exactly. And, like that, and, yeah, and be friends. I mean, we're all we all got little little miniatures on the table, and um, yeah, it's a game about pushing toys around. That, that really is ultimately the thing, right? right. Is we're all playing a game together. Right. We're having fun. We're supposed to be having fun. We sh- we should not be taking the shit so seriously that you know that we can't laugh about it at all, right? I I think that's you know important to remember. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to. There are times where it's hard, right? Well, yeah. I mean, but we're still it's people and humans and. And shit happens, hundred uh, percent. So, <laughs> so here's get com- the competitive itch pops up, and you, you yeah, scratch it. Yeah, you everyone know. wants to. Everyone wants. So to here's here's the interesting thing. Um, first of all, happy birthday, Pat. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We're actually recording birthday. on Pat's birthday, so Thanks. you guys should all be especially nice to Technically, Pat. Technically, it's a day late already. It's after midnight. Ah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> Just saying. <clears throat> um, and Pat, Pat's really close to my age, um, but what I've discovered um, is that gaming um, gaming and how it was um, looked at in in the larger society when I got started 30 40 years ago has has changed a lot and so more people are starting to game whether it's miniature games or board games or online games or computer games or handhelds or phones or whatever and so it's it's a much wider cultural thing and what I figured out is that my kids, um, and they're adults now, uh, 20 to 30 years old, um, they tell their friends about what I do um, and how I play and how I'm on a podcast and, and how I was able to participate in the, in the WTC. And all of their friends think that that's really cool. And so we're, we're all here, we all play, and it's a passion. And if you're passionate about something and you can get together socially with other people who are also passionate about it, um, that's a cool thing that your kids actually grow up looking at and going, you know what, that's actually a really cool thing. And I'm amongst my kids and their friend, their friend groups. I'm, I'm one of the cooler dads. So 
<laughs> so embrace that stuff. You know, I just it's and it it's a really kind of cool space to be in, and and the more people that we get here, whether they're, you know, more on the competitive side and they're trying to push, push push themselves in their lists, or you know, it's it's a friendly thing and we're just excited about sitting down and having a beer and and working through some really cool story on on the game. Um, the community is big enough for all of us. We just let's grow into it together and. And be fucking adults. Okay, right and, and then our kids are going to be like, well, what's happening here? And then we can watch them do the same thing, which is, I mean, I'm old enough now that there are people who are playing that I could be their dad. So it's, right, yeah. you know, yep. we're, we're doing this to make the community better. So let's just keep pushing the ball down, down the road. And you'll be surprised at what it looks like in five or ten years. And I think the bigger key is that when you see a tournament grow that you're doing the right things to that tournament, not that tournaments you've been at. The growing size and growing number of players, that's that's what you ultimately want. Right. Yeah, of course. And I think bolt action is growing in our area, so I'm seeing posts, you know, people looking for games and mm-hmm. oh yeah, I just I just picked it up, you know, after X number of years playing another game and you know, where can I get miniatures or and so it's cool. It's I think I think it's growing, so Okay, um, do we want to give a quick snafu update? Yeah, we will be having it. Hey, <laughs> oh, we're gonna have we're gonna have a snafu again. Same weekend as always, right? It's the weekend before Thanksgiving. Weekend before Thanksgiving, I think it's the I want to say the nineteenth through the twenty first. Sounds, sounds about right. Somewhere about there, as we as we started recording, it was one hundred and forty six days out. Holy! Uh, Just keep giving me that number, Pat, so I can panic a little bit. Uh, we're not. We don't hit panic until we get inside a hundred. I I will start panicking now. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I okay. Gotta work on t- I got to work on this table more. <laughs> I, me too. Um, a lot more. So, I, I think I think I'd mentioned this before, but I had picked up a one of those like the miniatures, like the movie crew sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also in Warlord's recent uh, sale, when I was picking up some price support, I also did order the little war camera guy too. Yep. So those will be used in a capacity that uh, yep. Jeff has yet to completely noodle mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. But expect those to be something that will be used. Um, I think I think we, the four of us, still need to together and brainstorm if we're going to do any sort of change in the actual format. It'll be very, I'm sure it'll still be very close to what it has been. But if we're going to do any tweaking on that... Um, same thing with Recon Rumble. There might be, you know, based on feedback from last year, there might be a little nudge here, nudge there, um, but overall probably very similar, and we're still expecting that to happen. And, of course, we'll still be doing the raffle for Toys for Tots because that's it's just an, an awesome charity to do, especially here locally for local players. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, what I'm going to try to work out the logistics on, and this might not happen, so don't quote me too hard on it, but I think... We're going to try and do something in the ticket pricing to have lunch provided so that people don't have, if the, first of all, if the hotel allows us to do something of that nature, because they do have some kind of food vendors on site, which, you know, maybe aren't the greatest. Well, we're on the opposite of the hotel of them. It's it's underwhelming to say the least. It's something just to to have to, you know, and uh, when we're, when Rick and I were traveling around with John Ross and he said that that was 
one of his bullet points is like you know you know don't make people have to go off site to get lunch because right. then you're you know they're they're off site they might not get back in time they might get picked late they might have picked the wrong spot that everybody went to and they had to wait 45 minutes to get through and get their food they're like scarfing lunches or getting back in that that yeah. definitely happened i remember at least one person eating food while they were playing and i was like dude what about the dice man yeah. greasy so. shit all over the dice so we're gonna we're gonna try to work within the system there or yeah and, and see we if we can. can't see if we can't do that Right um, and what we like to do, and we did last year, and I know we mentioned this in our podcast uh, back at the time, is that we're probably, again, Saturday night going to do, you know, some sort of pizza or something for all those that, you know, and this will be on the, the Snafu Mighty Buck. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll provide dinner for all those that come, out of ta- come from out of town. Right. So when you're registering and you're coming from out of town, let us know so we don't have to go around and awkwardly ask everybody. <laughs> oh, you are from out of town. Oh, oh, oh you are. Oh. Shit, you came okay, from California. Right, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, didn't even realize that. Uh, just assumed you're always here. So, yeah, yeah I uh, yeah, I uh, back to back to what for those that don't remember or haven't heard or whatever, and you've listened this far somehow. Um, the theme this year is Snafu goes to Hollywood, right? Is that what we called it? Something yep. like that. Yep, something the Holly- something along Hollywood lines. themed, right? Mm-hmm. So Hollywood movie themed, right? So you're going to bring your Hollywood army. We're going to probably hopefully have Hollywood themed tables. Um, you know, lots of World War II movies out there to pick mm-hmm. from. So, Jeff, do you and I still want to sit down and pluck through some of the books and see if there be might some of the uh, the named characters <clears throat> might be available for yeah. yes. army list selection? Yep. That's right. So, yeah, stay tuned for that because I remember us talking about that at some point. It's yeah, I was I was reading cool. through some this afternoon, and I'm like, you know, why are they all majors? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, theoretically, we could make our own versions of them that are not all majors. You know, something. They're all like majors or tanks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes them epic and badass. Well, there, there, there is, there was one. uh, I think it was in the D Day Two book that there was a medic that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. That basically, uh, if a unit took casualties, he as a reaction was if he didn't have an order dice, was allowed to make a move, and if he ended up with six inches, he could use his medic special rule on them or something like that. That was that was that was an interesting one. So. But, you know, again, these will be kind of like the, well, there's only one of them, so there's 36 players, only one guy gets that. So maybe uh, Jeff's noodling some sort of award type of thing for him. Who knows? (laughs) So just just to tease a little bit if we could there. Cool. All right. Well, uh, this is probably one of our shorter episodes recently. This is not going to be a two-parter tonight, Pat. No, if they're under four hours, I can upload them as one. So. <laughs> yeah, amazing how that works. Uh, I think we can call it a night. Lead us out, Pat. All right. This is Snafu. Over and out. Good night, gentlemen. Good night, everybody. Good night, folks. toast ladies and gentlemen i give you a toast ladies and gentlemen may this fair land we love so well in dignity and freedom dwell the worlds may change and go awry while there is still one voice And
country lane Wherever there's a cottage small Beside a field of grain There'll always be an England While there's a busy street Wherever there's a turning wheel A million marching feet Red, white and blue What does it mean to you? Surely your proud shouted aloud, Britain's awake. The Empire, too, we can depend on you. Freedom remains, these are the chains, nothing can break. There'll always be an England, and England shall be free. If England means as much to you, Not it's not the live exchange rate. Yeah. It's oh. whatever he did when he set the price to switch. Right. So it's so it's a little bit inflated. So it's always better to buy it in euros and just yeah. t- take the temper. Well, you still take a temper like a whatever. It's not ten percent. Is it ten percent? Depends on what car you're using. I guess. Well, even at ten percent, you're still coming out ahead. You're right. You're right because it's a thirty some dollar difference right now. Yep. Forty. And that forty. It's our economic episode. Portion of the episode. <laughs> it's actually forty bucks <laughs> difference. Uh, forty two dollars.